I've got a little system that, like, every time I fucking do a podcast, I have to have a coffee next to me, and I've got, like, two bottles of water. Always caffeinated. Always caffeinated. <laughs> Always caffeinated, mate. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But I don't, I don't know why. Like, I must go through in the space of, like, even if it's, like, a 20, 30-minute sort of session, like, I'll go mm-hmm. through, like, two and a half litres plus a coffee. Mate, you're poor bladder. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then if, <laughs> if we, if we stretch to like a three hour, I'm like, uh-huh. I, need yeah. to, uh, I need to recycle that bottle, pop it underneath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you just see your fly on zip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't mind me. <laughs> yeah. Just keep talking. Like keep talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Yeah, totally. All right. Um, for the, for, for people that, obviously don't know who you are people who do know you are know you're an absolute fucking legend and you literally are <laughs> one of the kindest and hard-working people i've ever met um for oh. sure and i've met some pretty pretty rad people in my, in my time you know what i mean so uh, for, me people that, for people that don't know who the fuck you are um <laughs> explain who are you mate uh so uh, i'm pete um i'll say kind of Good friend of Warby's, obviously. I've known him kind of through high school. Um, I'm a former disability swimmer. Um, I spent two years um, in the kind of University of Stirling kind of high performance swim program um, in their second year squad. Um, finished that in 2017. Um, kind of then spent two years kind of <laughs> trying to kind of salvage my degree. Um, graduated last year and then. Um, Kind of spent a year kind of just kind of again I think kind of just finding out what I want to do with myself and what I want to do with kind of myself in general and then kind of got a new job recently and then I think that's me now kind of back at uni studying doing an apprenticeship and then obviously just obviously joined uh, CrossFit gym which obviously has been kind of I suppose kind of a whole new revelation for me mm. and kind of I suppose what I enjoyed from swimming and kind of taking that and applying it to kind of multiple different kind of avenues of kind of mm. fitness has been a great kind of um I thought it was a great eye-opener for me. Mm. And yeah. Like, I, you know. I remember the day you sent me a message saying, oh yeah, um, I stopped swimming. Yeah. And I genuinely thought the world had stopped still. I was like, all right, <laughs> this is it. This is the apocalypse. Like, yeah. shit's happening. You know, go buy a shotgun or something because <laughs> they, they stock up on your tinned baked beans because something's some going down. Because like, the longest time I can remember you're just pounding, pounding the meters in the pool. Yeah. Absolutely going down. for it. And like, Looking at line, yeah. but you're actually like destroying it too. Like you are successful. <laughs> I mean, again, I think it was, it was, I think when I stopped swimming, it was a difficult time for me. Cause I think kind of, especially at school, kind of in those latter years, especially. And then obviously at the whole time at uni, everyone knew me as kind of Pete the swimmer. Mm. And then kind of overnight, I went from Pete the swimmer just to Pete. Kind of, you kind of almost lose kind of like I, I, I really struggled kind of for, for a little while afterwards because you, you kind of lose that identity. Yeah. And then suddenly sure. you kind of like, what am I without out that kind of element of my kind of uh, with, uh, kind of without that element that kind of attached to me. Mm. Um. And it, you know, it was it was I, th- I think it was, it was quite foolish in in many ways because I, I, I kind of knew this was kind of this kind of ultimatum was coming up in my future. I kept thinking, oh, like don't think about it. Just kind of get through the next. Like just see where you are in the next kind of few months. Can can I see where you are? See where you are. Like don't don't kind of rush the decision. And then I kind of came to kind of almost kind of like a kind of a crossroads. And I had to decide kind of sort of then and there because you know um, with obviously with the degree that I was doing with teaching, I couldn't justify 
being part of the program, you know, kind of swimming six to eight in the morning, then getting out the pool, going and teaching all day, then coming back and catching up on an, um, an S&C session and then swimming again in the evening and then trying to, you know, hit the macros, hit all the kind of, you know, kind of post-pool work, all the pre-pool work, yes, do lesson plans, try and, it was going to be unfair to me, it was going to be unfair to the kind of the, the, the program because I'm going to be taking up a space that someone else could have and also not, not fair to anyone I'm teaching and also not fair to myself because I'd be kind of, almost going to burn the candle at two ends. Mm. So, but I kept, I, I knew that I had like this, this kind of placement that I was doing and I knew it was coming up and I knew it was coming up. I kept thinking, I'll oh, just, just kind of put off the decision. And then kind of, I just had to kind of go in one morning and go, do you know what, I, 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 I've got to quit. And it was, I think, because I hadn't kind of spoken about it to my coach or to anyone else, because I've been trying to kind of deal with it myself. Yeah. He was dead shocked and he was kind of, kind of taken off guard. And yeah, it was, it was kind of just like a really awful moment, really. I think kind of one, of the, one of those moments that kind of sort of stays with you, where you're sort of like, what have I just done? Like, I kind of walked out of his office, kind of walked out of the pool. I kind of, I, kind of, I remember walking out and everyone kind of being sat there and they were all like, Pete, like, why don't you change me? Like, the session started in 10 minutes. And I'm like, I've just quit. And everyone was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I've got, got to go. And I kind of remember walking out and sitting in my car and just being like, shit, I've just done that. You know, kind of one of those kind of defining moments where you're kind of taking one path rather than the other. So yeah, um, do, you, do you regret it now? I think it's going to be cheesy, but I think you sort of you think everything's sort of like if you'd stayed on that path, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be where you were now. And because yeah, I'm true. I'm happy where I'm happy I'm happy with, with where I am now. I think I don't regret it, but definitely there are certain like it's one of those things you know with with hindsight and with looking back, you think, oh, you know what could, you know it leaves you wondering, doesn't it? Like what could I have done? Where could I have been? You know, because, you know, you, you, you can say next week that I could have, you know, saw a massive lifetime PB and gone, oh, well, now I've qualified for this and now, but you, you never know. Mm. So it's one of those kind of things that you, I, I regret that I didn't kind of see it all the way through. But I don't regret quitting when I did because I've ended up being happy where I'm at, happy where I'm at now. Mm. So it's kind of one of those kind of yes and no questions. I've sort of had, haven't really answered it, but... Well, it's yeah. like, uh, was it was it a gradual thing or was it, you know, like you said, you just woke up one morning and just like, no, I actually have to just stop doing this. Yeah. So when I started uh, Sterling, I was definitely kind of one of the, like, I, I like the people that were there where, you know, I was swimming with kind of European junior swimmers, you know, world world youth Olympic swimmers, like really kind of top, top level athletes. And I, I remember thinking like, I am out, pardon swim pump, but I'm out of my depth here. Like the, the, these are big guys and big girls, like they're you know kind of you know really really kind of elite athletes. And I remember kind of almost kind of just kind of every kind of session just turn up and kind of sort of being in awe of them. I mean like wow, I, I, you know, I'm privileged, you know, seeing these guys. But I, I, over time, and also kind of spending time with them, you can sort of see them. Some of them, some some of them also, some, some of them kind of fall out of love with the sport and kind of like for them, the, their decisions kind of sort of made clear. Like they were like, no, I've kind of got to the point now where I'm not enjoying. Spending 24 hours a week, you know, in the you know, in, you know, doing pool, gym, you know, pre and post work and stuff like that. And th for them, that that decision, like, they kind of made that decision. With mine, it was less of a decision that I wanted to finish, more of a I kind of had to, because obviously I had the teaching stuff coming up, and I couldn't, I couldn't do both. So it's one of the things where do I choose to change my degree and stop doing teaching, which I hadn't, so I hadn't done that much teaching at that point. So I didn't know whether or not I'd pursue teaching long term. Or do I stop swimming? And again, the, the, the whole thing with swimming, and I think hopefully something that we can talk, talk about later, 
is that even if you're, you're an elite swimmer, or, I mean, uh, an elite swimmer, but even, even less so with an elite, you know, para swimmer, you're not going to make anything. Like, it, it, it's not a lifetime career. Like, you, you couldn't earn enough as an elite para swimmer. Or, sorry, the, the, the very, very elite probably could, but, you know, anything under that tier, you couldn't survive kind of comfortably. So it, it was kind of more of a kind of a choice about my kind of my future as well. Like it wasn't just kind of like then and there. It's kind of like looking forward. What where where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? It's a so, really difficult uh, choice, it isn't was, it, man? Because it, like it, it was yeah. Like was you really said about abrupt. your identity and that. Because like mm. you you take that away from you, and you know you were known as Pete the swimmer, and you, you kind of look mm. yourself in the mirror, and you're just like, well, what am I anymore? I'm just Pete. Yeah. Which is actually a good place to be because then you actually dissect who the fuck you are instead of mm. like pairing it with an activity or something else that mm. you're doing. But like, Definitely. that's a really difficult decision and you kind of, it is 100% like a crossroads and you're like, well, swimming's going this way and I'm just going to veer off to the other side. Yeah. And it was so, I think, again, for me, it was, again, it was, it was, it was, it was because I didn't want to deal with the situation in front of me, I kept putting it off because I knew it was going to be a horrendous choice. And it, was, it, was, it probably was a daft thing to do, but in my head, I'd, I'd sort of thought through every kind of possible kind of way to try and do both. And it wasn't, it wasn't compatible. Like, again, it, isn't, it wasn't compatible to, kind of to, to do that. Because, you know, being a full-time athlete and a full-time, you know, kind of teaching student, it, it isn't compatible. And I kept kind of trying to, like, weigh it up in my head. And I was like, there's no way you can do both and be kind of successful at both. And it isn't, isn't fair to anyone to kind of almost kind of half-ass both and try and do both, but not to the fullest, like, but not committing, to, but not kind of doing your best in both. Hmm. So it was definitely a difficult choice. It was, it was fairly abrupt. Um, but, um, you know, those kind of 18 months, two years that I was there, the, they were kind of, you know, incredible. And it was, you know, such a privilege to, you know, be there, be there, you know, with, with kind of, you know, world-class athletes, incredible athletes. You And, you know, kind of experience that kind of, that level of training and that kind of level of performance and kind of something that I'd never experienced prior to going to Sterling. So I was obviously, I think it was, you know, a great experience. And again, it just, you know, helps kind of just, you know, develop you kind of your, your resilience, your timekeeping. Um, you I suppose you, you kind of appreciation for kind of elite sport, you know, how much goes into it. And again, especially, especially with swimming, we had the British psychologist come to, for, for British swimming, come, come up to Sterling to chat with the, the guys before Rio, so to chat with Craig, uh, Ross, Robbie, and Duncan. But obviously, he kind of gave like a seminar to all of us in the kind of program. He said, "I've been the psychologist for you know cycling, British basketball, British cycling, but in, in swimming, I, I, I can't understand it because you spend hours and hours and hours a week training, you know, kind of four Olympic, you know, four years for an Olympic cycle, and then in reality, it comes down to maybe two or three races a year, which last thirty seconds." So your preparation time is 99% of the time, 99.9% of the time you spend in the pool preparing this 30 second window or, you know, in, you know, a body sport, much like 20, 20, 20 second window. Um, but like if you're a footballer, you spend maybe, you know, 20, 20 hours a week training, but then you have a 90 minute match mm. every week. So the kind of, the opportunity to kind of perform and the opportunity to kind of see the results in such a kind of, such a fine window in swimming. Um, and I can't remember kind of being sit there, sitting there, kind of like I never thought of it like that. And I was like, "Wow, he's right." You know, you spend, you know, twenty-four hours a week times, you know, maybe forty-five training to only have kind of maybe two or three thirty-second windows of actual 
kind of race time, you know, kind of time where you are kind of tr- trying to put down all your work, like all your kind of hours of training, all your hours of kind of suffering to kind of show how you've improved. It's, it's a 30 second window twice a year and you're like, wow, you know, never realised that. I think this is where like swimming actually benefits and goes hand in hand with CrossFit because they're both like the pursuit of excellence, right? Excellence mm-hmm. is this like euphoric state that you will never fucking never reach. It's like perfection. Mm-hmm. Like you'll never fucking reach it. Like we're organic. We will, we are going to die. We decay. So we will never be perfect. And like swimming in the, is exactly that. Like you just pound and pound and pound and pound to shave whatever you can here and there. And you get this little, little window, like you said, to, to sort of prove what you've done in the past four years. And if you don't make it, well, we'll see you again in four years. And obviously CrossFit is not as extreme as that. However, there's so many different avenues there's so many different things going on that you can shave time and transition. You can get better at the different modals. You can get def- better at, you know, um, like the efficiency of moving a barbell or the efficiency of like turning around and kicking up straight into a handstand and that. So like the performance of, of CrossFit, take, like taking CrossFit and CrossFit as a sport is two mm-hmm. different things. So we're talking about the sport sort of comparison here. Like I think that's where they go hand in hand and, because swimmers are, they have something else between their head, between their ears, man. Like being able to just keep themselves that dedicated for that long at that early age, because it's fucking early specialization, isn't it, man? Oh, I mean, again, like, again, all the athletes I was sort of with at Sterling, they were all sort of, you know, kind of getting into like kind of at the elite level already kind of at, you know, eight, nine, 10, kind of those ages going up. I was, I was really late to the game, but I think that's kind of, that, that came with, kind of being involved kind of in the disability side of the sport rather than kind of the body side of the sport. So because there was less, um, I suppose, kind of less uptake and less retention of disability swimmers, I was able to kind of, to, to kind of start later and kind of have that, still have the opportunity to make an impact and kind of get to where I was. So because, again, there's, I suppose, less uptake, less retention. So therefore, there's less overall athletes to kind of make your way through. Whereas obviously in able body, you've got, you know, I'd, I'd probably say tens of thousands of people to, you know, to be, to be in the top 1%, you've got to be, you know, kind of grafting for day, you know, for, for years and years and kind of prove your kind of, your kind of, um, your kind of standards. But I suppose, um, as I, th- I think, again, another link between CrossFit and um, swimming is that it is black and white. Like, it isn't like in like football or rugby where you can, you know, you, you can get beaten, you know, you can get beaten, but you, you like your team, your team can get beaten, but you can play a great game in swimming it's it's black and it's white it's you know it's if did you get the time yes or no it doesn't matter whether you're a point one off or like it, it at the end of the day like you, you can't say across it you get a time so it, it it doesn't matter whether you know that was your best swim like if you haven't hit the cutoff time for the for a certain event you you, you don't get selected you, you don't get picked it's it's it, it's brutal but also it, it it makes it really really kind of really kind of easy to see where you, like whether you've progressed or not, like it is just black and white. That being said, you know you can still progress your kind of your form, your technique, your kind of you know re, you know your race and not improve. But it is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you've got the best technique in the world or the worst technique in the world. If you swim faster, if it's whoever swims the faster time, so it gets yeah. you know from A to B the fastest, following certain rules. But again, that's the same CrossFit. You, mm. you have certain movement sounds that you have to adhere to. In, in swimming, we have certain um and stroke rules that we have to adhere to um so i think that that's a beauty of the sport and again again i suppose 
and yeah, it's, 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 it's the same again with CrossFit, obviously. Um, it's, I think one thing I love about swimming, one thing I enjoy about CrossFit is that it's all you. So if you do really well, it's because you've done really well. And the same with swimming, if you swim a PB, it's your PB. It's doing no one else. You've put the work and you've got the reward. Mm. Um, but that also being said is that you do the opportunities, obviously, in CrossFit and in swimming to obviously be part of, you know, teams and do relays. And that's a whole different sort of kind of, I suppose, kind of a, a different feeling, a different, because you're working for someone else there. I think for some people that really helps them. But I, I, and I, 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 I enjoy swimming relays, but I definitely enjoyed the kind of knowing that the work I was putting in, I was going to see the benefit rather than, in, like I said, in, in sport like rugby, you can put all the effort in the world, but if your teammates don't do it as well, there's no point because yeah. it's got to be kind of a whole entity. And if you win, you, you, you win and you share that success. But if you win in swimming, it's all you, you know, and you get the full, all the success. That's what I think is a huge motivator. Um, and yeah, I think that is, again, it's, it's one of the things I really loved about swimming. And I, again, it, which transfers over to CrossFit. But again, I think well, one thing I was told <laughs> by someone, like, oh, I really can't who, who for the life of me, but they, they sort of, actually, I think it was Mr. Do, 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 do you remember Mr. Thomas? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. PE teacher at uh, he said to me like um, I don't understand like, I, I, it was in an ATP class he sort of said to me he said I can understand you know hockey players and football players and you know but I can't stand swimmers you know just spending trials in the morning staring at a black line I think you've got to be a little bit soft in the head and I sort of thought he's right there you know you, you have got to be a little bit to, you know, to, to, to do something like swimming and to let's say to stare at a black line for two hours in the morning and then two hours again in the evening you have got to be a little bit almost kind of just like yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna take this i'm gonna just gonna experience this pain i'm gonna you know kind of just get, get my head down and work through yeah. and yeah i think that's it's it's a great way to kind of build up kind of i suppose almost resilience because some sets that you know that i've done and i'm sure you've done across it as well the the, the the this almost kind of all the only point where they sort of kind of have you questioning yourself as a human you know you, you kind of sort of like how how much do I want to push myself? How much do I want to suffer? And you know, how much am I going to kind of see the benefit of this after the workout? Oh yeah, for sure, man. And like the mental resilience that's 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 created and forged through staring at that black line or through the barbell yeah. or or just doing a couple of fucking burpees and pushing yourself to that line and then just fucking riding it out. Like in yeah. all competitive sport, whether you're competing against the clock and yourself or whether you're competing against the person next to you. Like that sort of level of resilience created during physical activity is the reason why I believe everyone should do something. Everyone should do a sport. Everyone should fucking work out. Everyone should just like move around because like the, the benefits you get psychologically that's then translates over to everyday life, like being able to deal with stress, being able to work within a team, being able to like dissect the, the physical sort of things that's going on in your body and being able to read it and understand what's going on. So then you can actually like change the way you react to other people. So you don't come across arrogant or rude or whatever. Mm. Be like, it kind of, it shows, I think it's a Marcus Aurelius or one of those, um, you know, ancient Greek Stoics that was like a man who a man should see, obviously man is in mankind. So man and, and woman mm. should see, um, their full potential, physical potential before they die. Paraphrasing, of course, I can't really remember, but it was something yeah. like that. And it's like, it's true because it's not all for the egotistical. Like, for example, we use the sport of bodybuilding, right? So you use bodybuilding. Someone outside of the sport will look into that and be like, egotistical, narcissistic, just cares mm -hmm. about looks, blah, 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 blah. 
And I'm like, yeah, granted, because it's a subjective sport and like whether you class it as a sport or not, it doesn't really matter. It's a subjective subjective sport. It's all about like insertions and symmetry and, and size mm-hmm. and all that shit. Yeah, great. But like the training they go through creates so mm-hmm. much discipline and resilience up here. And it's the same with the pool. And it's the same with like just going and playing recreational squash. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or badders. Like yeah. you, you develop so much between your mm-hmm. two ears that ends up translating to your relationships, your job, yeah. you know, and uh, everyone should do it, man. Mm. And I think one thing that especially again is um, like, I, I think everyone, everyone who's done sport and I think obviously both you and I included, excuse me, um, will agree is that the people that you, the people that you meet and the people you socialize with, that's such a huge impact of sport and oh, um, yeah. of, of, of sport in general, but obviously of, like, I think, that c- can't be underestimated with every, every sport because I think going to places like swimming or football or CrossFit or bodybuilding, you meet people that if you're there because you enjoy it, you meet people who are similarly minded. Mm. Um, and I think that's such a great way to kind of meet people who are kind of you know sort of going to be on, the, on your wavelength because you, you, you could walk into like a coffee shop and you might, you know, you, you'd be met with people who you, you probably might not get along with as well because you don't have the same sort of interests or the same sort of. Um, you know things that you find interesting whereas um if you go to somewhere like you know like if you enjoy crossfit or you enjoy football or you enjoy rugby or even if you enjoy like as you say that like kind of social badminton or something like that it's you're going to meet people who are on a similar wavelength and that's immediately going to help you kind of forge friendships and then obviously those friendships are going to help you so much with the kind of your kind of your your kind of mental health and your kind of mm-hmm. ability to kind of like have that place as kind of an, an environment where you feel safe and comfortable and supported and that's can't be kind of under undervalued really yeah and even if you don't enjoy it initially and you just kind of oh. you know it's forced to start off with you're still surrounding yourself with like-minded people and they might be doing the yeah. same thing and then mm. you know it's kind of like a pull pull and then everyone gets to do things that um mm. you know actually creates construction rather than destruction and i remember the, the best quote i've ever had from a member is um i pay for this so i don't have to pay for therapy mm-hmm. like it's, it's it's so true like one of the guys i go to the gym with he, he sort of said like i i come here and it's, it's he's, he's he's a really really successful chap um and he works for a, a big charity but um obviously i imagine it must be stressful i think he's got like oh, oh, you know hundreds of people who kind of work underneath him and it must be really difficult for him when he goes to Jimmy, he says that he goes there, you can just switch off. And having that that space where you can, you know you can turn your phone off, you can turn, you can switch off from the outside world. And in that in that hour, you're just in that box with those people pushing yourself to your limits. That is really crucial for obviously your physical health. Obviously, you can be kind of help and improve your heart, you know, improve your you know your heart, your respiratory system, and so on and so forth. Also, helping improve your mental state, helping you, you kind of helping yourself kind of process the day and switch off and, or if, if it's in the morning set yourself up for the day and that is you know again like obviously everyone talks about the physical benefits but and i think hope i think a, a good thing kind of coming out of this year and kind of the recent years is that the mental health is kind of being more and more yeah. kind of pushed to the forefront and that's so so critically, critically important for so many people even um, if it's like you don't end up going to the gym and all you do is get up a little bit earlier and you go for a walk like I've legitimately had people where I'm like, right, I'm not going to write your program. I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to coach you. I'm not going to do anything. All I want you to do is I want you to wake up half an hour earlier and I want you to go for a walk. 
I don't care how far it is. I just want you to walk around. You can walk to the end of your frigging street, turn around and come back, and it could take you about two minutes. I don't care. Go for a walk. I'm like, what do you mean? That's absolutely ridiculous. I'm like, no, I don't want any paying. This is advice. This is me to you. Go for a fucking walk in the morning. Come back. Tell me how you do. How are you feeling? And like, mate, it changes the day. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you're bang on, especially in the morning, having that little almost routine and like having that thing that will set you up for the day mm. is really, really important. Like, and everyone's totally different. Some people it is like just getting up and having a coffee. Some people it's getting up and just, I'd say kind of having a bit of fresh air. Some people it's getting up and doing a workout. Um, and like, like uh, I know so many people, like I think I was quite surprised when I, because obviously I, I, was my, I, you know, I think you, you have to sort of be a morning person. Yeah. Um, I was quite surprised when um, I joined the gym and I was like, oh yeah, like I'll, I'll go at the 6 a.m. because I'll be dead quiet and I can do my own thing. You know, kind of sort of, have, I looked on the, like, uh, we use like one of these kind of, um, these apps to kind of sort of book on. And I looked on, I looked on um, this app and I was like, why is it all booked up at 6 a.m.? Like, who are these people? Like, I was so shocked. I was like, I, I, thought, I, I thought that was going to be my time to go and like have like no one there and kind of be like, oh yeah, I'm a swimmer. I'm used to this. But it was, it was already every, I mean, every, I mean, even you know, th- throughout both lockdowns, it's been booked up every time. I'm like, I'm almost a, a bit like, yes, kind of bravo, kind of seeing people kind of going out there, 6 a.m. and crushing it. It's awesome. Mate, the fucking morning crew and CrossFit boxes are absolute mad bastards. They yeah. are incredible people man like they turn up still half asleep you know what i mean don't have a clue where they are but fuck me like they absolutely drive themselves into an early grave and then we like, oh, yeah, give you a high five and be like right i've got to go to work like, sorry what yeah that's it uh, that is it you know um i think you know again like but this uh, again with crossfit with swimming there's so much kind of um kind of solidarity among kind of people who, who are all going through it together Mm. Like in swimming, like we'd all be there, you know, kind of half five in the morning. You'd be like, as I say, especially like we used to on Tuesdays, we used to train three times on Tuesday, 10 till 12 in the morning, three till, like, yeah, three till half four on the like lifting in the afternoon, eight till 10 p.m. swim. And we'd, we'd be back in Wednesday morning for six till eight. So you'd be kind of finishing eight till 10, kind of getting home for probably about 11, eating, and then probably getting bed at 12 and then waking back up for kind of like quarter five, for a quarter, yeah, quarter past five and getting back to pool far five. And you'd literally be absolutely dying. But having knowing that fact that it's not just you, it's you know, kind of fifteen other people doing it with you. And you, you start, you know, kind of in Scotland, so it's always cold. But especially like in January, when it's like you know, kind of minus you know four or five out and out, and you're there still, you know, on, still on deck and speedos. Like I really don't want to get in this pool and have it. But you know that it's fifteen people who are doing it with you. It's sort of, sort of almost kind of like you, you, you gives you that kind of that little extra push that you need, sort of thing, to be. Yeah, I'm going to do so. I'm going to make this count. And again, um, it's kind of like the, the classic kind of Matt Fraser. I'm, I'm going to do now. Like do what I do. do uh, I'm going to work now to do things that other people can't do. So that when it like so when it comes to again time to kind of prove your kind of you know kind of you know at the games or at the game yeah at the games or if you're swimming you know at the big meet you know, knowing that you've put in every kind of possible thing that you can do. Because mm. that was one big thing when I was swimming is that when I got on the blocks I'd be like I've done everything that I can here to put down this best time, to do the best. And if you kind of stood there like, yeah, I have. And almost I wasn't that worried about what I, I really wasn't worried when I was racing, especially I used to get kind of fairly anxious when I was kind of, you know, racing kind of, um, you know, Nutsud and kind of in the Northwest. But then when I went to Sterling, it kind of changed, it really changed my mentality because when I got onto those blocks, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, you know, what am I doing? What? I knew exactly what I knew exactly what counts I was going on when when I was breathing where I was breathing kind of what speeds to go. It was all almost kind of prescribed. And you, you just kind of execute 
acting rather than kind of racing. You just execute what you've done in training. So it was almost kind of like, it was actually kind of fairly relaxed. Like I wasn't actually kind of that, that stress racing. And I think that that's almost kind of like, if you can be that way and just know, kind of be kind of, be kind of unflappable and just kind of like know that you're going to go out and do and kind of perform, it's, it's, it's the kind of best way to be because you, you're just kind of going to do, you know, um, just to, to do what you've trained for, which is, I think, you know, kind of the best way. Because obviously, you know, with kind of, pressure and nerve and anxiety that's not going to be your optimal state of kind of performance mm. so um i think you know kind of you know kind of being there and doing what and i think again a massive thing across it is do it you know kind of coming in each day and it's completely different to what you were doing the day before and i think that's kind of one thing maybe with swimming that i didn't get so much because kind of, you, you, you come in and you day in day out you know working on one particular thing or kind of one particular change or and it's all really kind of finally focused on this one event, this kind of 50 meter freestyle, this 200 medley. It's really focused. Whereas CrossFit, you know, one day you're doing, you know, bevy box overs, the next day you're doing snatches, mm. you know, it's having that kind of, that ability to kind of adapt and change and be kind of dynamic. Something I find, something I find really. absolutely fascinating is, is, is the mental resilience. However, like you get those athletes that, they have to know exactly what they're doing so they can mentally rehearse and prepare it and then they can go forward. And I'm like, yeah, that is a level of mental resilience. That is a level of determination. That is a level of strength, like a mental mm. toughness. However, yeah. what, how are you like with the unknown? And I do, I do believe that like not knowing what you're about to do, but knowing in yourself that whatever the fuck happens, what you're going to be okay. You're going to survive. And all the stuff you've put in, previously in every sort of aspect whether this is crossfit or not it doesn't really matter every other aspect is going to get you through it and you're going to be fine and like i do believe that like everyday human beings need to experience something like that because you've experienced it in your fucking job you when you go to your job tomorrow right do you know exactly what's going to happen minute by minute <laughs> no you don't yeah so like why why should we like give you the fucking thing a week before and be like, hey, this is this is exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, granted for periodization, peaking for for events, athletes, you know, pushing. I completely understand that from a programmer's perspective, from a coaching perspective, and from an athlete perspective, and I agree with it. However, we're talking complete GPP, um, and like complete, you know, just everyday athlete. I like mm -hmm. to throw down and kick it, mate. You need that, like, <laughs> you need that area of like psychologically being fucked. Yeah. When I'm just like, all right, Pete, um, you're going to do this and then you fucking finish. And I'm like, oh, you're not going to do that anymore. Like, what do you mean I'm not going to do it? I'm like, yeah, I lied to you. You're now going to go do this. Yeah. And I think you're bang on as well. I, I, I think one big thing, especially you, you the coach can appreciate, is um, you, you've got to, as an athlete, just trust the, trust the process. And trust that what you're doing, like some like some sessions that I, you know, that I, I, I remember vividly, kind of doing you know seven eight k sessions, and like the main body of the session would be five one thousand, and you look at it and show, what benefit does that have to me as a fifty meter freestyler? Like this is going to be dull, it's going to be tedious, it's going to suck. It's you know six in the morning. This is the last thing I've, I've got out of bed to come and do this, and it's I can't see what you know where it's going to be a benefit. But also, you've got to kind of think, well, hang on a minute they've got their my entire year in front of them and they know exactly what they're doing, you know, step by step. They're the expert. Mm. I've got to trust in that process and let them kind of 
guide me through it. And like, you know, it's all going to pay dividends one day. Like the, no, no coach will ever just say, yeah, we're, we're just doing this to hurt you. You know, we're just going to put you through hell for no apparent reason. Mm. You know, everything's up bent. Like as an athlete, and I'm sure you might agree, like, you think that I think, like, what are they doing to me? Like, this, this is diabolical. You know, but it, it it has a purpose. It has a has a reason. Well, that's the thing. Even if it's just like oh, I I'm literally going to try and break you down as a human being, so you cry mm. on the floor and you're just like you're like sadistic. Yeah. But like what, yeah. what 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 what's the benefit from this? Like the benefit yeah. is the fucking mental toughness you're gonna get from it. Precisely. It's not always the physical thing, and like sometimes it is like 100 mental. Like thinking, oh, like some of I've done, I've done workouts, and especially in swimming. I've done workouts where I've been like, oh, I, I didn't think I could do that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know I could hold a 32 point for 1050s. But I've actually, you told me to do it. I've gone and done it. And it's, that's changed my entire, like now moving forward, that's achievable, that's attainable. So now next time I'm going to try and, you know, try and do it slightly faster or, or, or slightly, a, a slightly lower stroke rate. And I think sometimes, it, it, you know, it, it is just, um, you've got to trust, you know, in that method, in that method, in that in that person, because and I think as an athlete, again, you, you, you and I, th- I think we both, you, we both experience like the, you, you work with coaches, and the, the, it'll be great to work with them, and you'll have certain things that really work together. But you've got to go through a few coaches just to find out who suits you best and who works well with you. Because yeah. the athlete relationship, it needs to be, it's, 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 it's a you know a, a two way street. Yeah, you're working with them, but they're working with you, and. They need to understand. You, you, well, you both need to understand each other. You both need to know what the other one wants out of it. And obviously, as I'm sure you, I'm sure you agree. You know, communication mm. is key, and you know, also trust is key. Like, you know, as an athlete, you, you should have that ability to question a coach. Say, why are we doing this? The coach obviously should answer. But sometimes, as an athlete, you've got, you've got to just be like, yeah, we're doing it. I, 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 I don't know why. We're just going to do it. I think a lot of it, uh, the mindset is like I speak to people all the time, right? And whether it's whether it's in a coaching setting, whether it's in an athlete setting, whether it's fucking physical setting or not, like, mm-hmm. like because you know, like we like we said, I believe everything that you you sort of you gain from the physical stuff is translated over into everyday life and into the mental stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and like physical and mental well being is is not two separate things; they work in synergy. But like the mindset that I approach to things and I tell people to approach is like give yourself no fucking option. Like, give yourself no option. Like, how many times have you been doing a set, right? For example, the 1050s. You're like, Pete, I want you to hold a 32. You're like, I can't do that. Like, there's fucking no way I'll be able to do it. And your coach turns around and goes, if you fail one, you start again. It's like, what do you mean? Like, I physically will not be able to do that. I was like, I don't give a fuck. You can be here all night and I will Mm -hmm. arrive back at 4 a.m. because I've got the fucking morning. I don't care. If you don't finish yeah. all 10 of them at 32, like you're going to be here all night. And how many times do you end up finishing it? Exactly. Like, Not because the coach the, have told you, because you've given yourself no option to fail. Yeah. And they know you as well, I think. Yeah. They, they, they wouldn't say to you unless they knew you were capable. Like, yeah, for sure. They wouldn't say it was a failure. Um, I think, again, one great thing that, again, was, was a benefit of being at Sterling is that Back, you know, back in the, uh, you know, back when I was at Nutsford or back when I was, you know, in the Northwest, like you'd be swinging, I, you know, I'm giving it my all here, like I'm doing as hard as I can. At Sterling, we, we'd access to, you know, lactate testing. So they'd do it and be like, your lactate's only eight. You, you know, you, you, you're not trying hard enough. And it's when, when you're told that and you're like, but scientifically they're saying like, there's no, again, it, 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 it's a quantity 
it's a figure, it's, 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 it's a number and it, it can't lie. So that's saying you're not trying hard enough. So then, then in your mind, you'll think, well, I've got more to give them. And that's a huge kind of switch and a huge shift. But obviously not everyone has access to that, but that was a huge thing for me as well to kind of being able to kind of be like, oh, I can try harder. But only because that, like if he said to me, just black and white, like, said to me, Pete, you got to try harder. I'd be like, I'm, Brad, I'm giving it all I can. This is my max effort. But he's, you know, prick my finger on say, you can try harder. You're like, oh, you're right, I can. Like, I think that's, you know, um, almost kind of making it like, kind of, uh, I suppose kind of the other way to it was also kind of using like RPA and kind of saying like, if this is an eight out of 10 for you, we need to be nine. We need to be, or, or vice versa. So like in sunsets, and I was, I was terrible for this when I was swimming. We, you know, we, we want this to be a chilled, you know, five out of 10. I'd be like, yeah, that's not, you know, that's not happening sort of thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be trying, you know, especially kind of being a, a, a disabled athlete in because I was the only para-athlete in that, in that program uh, when I was there. Um, I, and I think I, you know, I, I did have a chip on my shoulder. Like I wanted to, you know, to, to be there with the kind of, you know, train with the, you know, train with the big, you know, the, with, with the big, big dogs, you know, try and keep pace. And it took so long for me to change my kind of mental psyche and just stop trying to stop trying to prove myself to them. Cause I didn't need to prove myself to them. Like they knew, you know, that I, I deserve to be there, but it, it kind of in my head, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, you've got to kind of try you've got to kind of you know keep up with them you've got to try and match them and if i could match them i wouldn't be a disability swimmer like you know so or um, I, you know it's there's a reason why i wasn't you know kind of hitting the time that they were hitting so um it, it took me a long time a lot of kind of you know conversations with brad conversations with with my you know teammates to be like no, no i i can stop you know kind of killing myself every session because that just doesn't lead to kind of that isn't constructive because there's no time for you to recover. And then, and then when it comes to sessions where they, where they want you to try hard, you're then already too knackered from the session that you took. That, that was yeah. so easy that you did, did too hard. So I think it was a really steep learning curve for me and for my coach, because obviously he coached Paris with in the past, but not at the kind of level that, that I was at sort of thing. So it was really, you know, he, you know, he did a fantastic job. The, the, the program as a whole did a fantastic job with me. And obviously um, the kind of improve, the improvements I made in the program were, you know, kind of, showed that it does pose a really that's a really really um important point that you that you made of like easing off taking your foot off the gas like you know mm -hmm. we talk about look you need to be able to push yourself further like don't be a fucking bitch defeat you in a bitch yeah. do your fucking thing you know push a bit harder mental toughness but there's also times where you do develop mental toughness by taking your foot off the bloody gas like you cannot just go 100 miles an hour all the time because yeah. you'll end up just digging yourself an early grave, and that's not yeah. the point of, of what we're doing, whether it's peak performance um, or not. That's, yeah, that's why so many injuries come up because injuries, you're not giving yeah. your body the chance to recover, that chance to heal. And then again, because obviously again, we, in, in the program we, we worked on a three week cycle, so it was two weeks on one week kind of recovery and regen. And I was you know, in that first season, I was so bad for just kind of treating, just kind of swim through every single week. And then I'm suddenly thinking, oh, why am I picking up shoulder injuries? It's because you're not giving yourself your body the opportunity to to recover and to you know to heal. And you can't be expect you, you can't you can't expect your body to ju to just constantly go at 100. And it's the same in you know in workouts. If you've got a 12 minute workout, you can't. And like and this is the whole point with scaling, which again is something that I'm you know I think every every fella is battling with. Because you, you you go into some classes, or actually everyone you know guys and girls. Um, you have some classes, and especially if, if there's an, a kind of, an, a, you know, an elite, elite athlete in there who can do RX and make it look and be comfortable with it. You can kind of think, well, I want to do it as well, but that isn't the, the that isn't the, the, the desired stimulus. If you go RX and kind of hit five reps, 
and then he's left, you know, eight more minutes just trying to get squeeze out another rep. That isn't the stimulus that was designed for that workout. So this is why I absolutely love CrossFit and it's really fascinating, especially with like the distribution of people uh, within a class. Because, like, you know, you could get someone and, you know, when you learn individuals rather than you just see as a, mem- a member or an athlete or whatever you call them, a client, but I really don't like that word, so I call everyone athletes. Um, whether, you, you know, you get to know that individual and you're just like, I know that that person is going through a ton of psychological stress right now. Mm-hmm. And, like, you'd be able to sort of delegate each of them an individual workout by saying, oh, Pete, like, I know you're pretty on farm at the moment. So I know the weight is 60 kilos, but what I want you to do is I want you to go 70 kilos today. I really want you to push yourself with a little bit of a heavier weight. Don't worry about the rounds. And in fact, I don't even want you to fucking count. Yeah. And then you can go, oh, Sandra, like, or Alex, for example, like, like me, you're just like, you, you're, I know you're a bit stressed at the moment, mate. What I want you to do, all I want you to do is move. So what do you mean? Yeah. I was like, I don't want you to do anything unbroken. I want you to break and, and go from there. I think the, be- the best thing I've used for um, like recovery days, which is, you know, you've got to be careful about it because it's chewing gum, right? So you've got you've to chew chewing gum whilst you're working out, whether it's with a bar, it's usually with like just a bit of a like monostructural, like the Miko triangle with a, a salt bike row yeah. um, or the ski, maybe a bit of running, maybe just a concept two bike, you know, something pretty meaning, uh, meaningless, just sort of working around. So if you're chewing yeah. chewing gum, yeah, exactly. Just cardio. If you're chewing chewing gum, you can't be anaerobic. You can't yeah. be like gasping for air because you're going to end up swallowing that fucker and you're going to yeah. end up choking. So like it, it forces you to slow down and yeah. chill out and breathe. And like sometimes, you know, that, that is how you take two steps forward by not actually going yeah. into sixth gear. And um, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's really, it's hard. Like if I, if I spoke to like a complete everyday athlete or someone who's never done any sport before and wants to just get, as good as they can, as quick as they can. It's really, really hard to, to, to get into their mind of just being like, hey, look, your body's going to send you a shitload of signals. Some of them I want you to ignore, and some of yeah. them I want you to take like, like gospel. And they're like, oh, how do I know? It's like, well, it's hard. Developing that filter is, is, is so crucial. And I think, yeah. also, again, Going back to my kind of off the background of swimming, like you've got to know kind of what, as you say, kind of what things take on board, and kind of you know, kind of feeling that you know, feeling the water for the catch, feeling that feeling kind of the speed that you're going at, feeling kind of what your turnover is, what rate you are, kind of feeling how kind of um, how much lactate's in there, mm. and it's but then you've got you got you got to be able to kind of filter out certain things like kind of people around you, noise, like you you kind of almost got to, got to kind of be like kind of what do you want, what's going to be beneficial to you, and what's actually just actually kind of detracting from your performance. It's kind of taking from here, but trying to ignore as much from here. Mm. Um, and that is so kind of, that's crucial in, in, in any sport. Like you can't be expected to kind of, you know, kind of be, and obviously some sports are, you know, are much more crucial for, again, like stuff like football, rugby, kind of those team sports, you need to be aware of what's around you. In swimming, unless you're kind of more of a distance-based swimmer, if you're, if you're, if you're a team at freestyle, you've got to focus on what you're doing, what's happening with, you know, with you, rather than kind of what, you know, you know what so and so is doing in the next lane you've got to focus on your performance because if you get distracted and look what he's doing you're going to lose what you're doing 
So um, as you say, kind of having that filter to kind of know what to take in, what to ignore, what to kind of listen to is really, really, you know, imperative. For sure. And if you, it, you know, it's, it's hard to be able to dissect what it actually means. And I, I just say, write it down. Just write it down because it will be clear then all the evidence and all the pieces of information and everything you need to don't know will be on the piece of paper in front of you. All you got to do is put your, you know, Detective Clouseau hat on um, and just sort of like match the dots. Um, it, yeah. yeah, man, like being able to, being able to dissect those, those internal feelings, like, yeah, you know, you, you're going to do the wrong thing. You're going to do the wrong thing sometimes. Oh, yeah. You're going to fuck up and... You know, you're going to get a niggle from it or you might injure yourself yeah. from it. God forbid you're going to like actually snap your shit up from it. Or you're, you'll go to yeah. work the next day, you're like, I'm so fatigued. Like, I feel like if you slapped me, I would feel it five minutes later. And I'm like, well, your CNS is probably a little bit fried. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and, you know, um, obviously, uh, I, I, I think that was kind of, again, like one great kind of good thing with my disability is that, almost with where my CNS was absolutely fudged, I, you know, it is shown in me physically. And I, also, I think also kind of, you know, um, A1 will show it as well, but especially with me kind of with the cerebral palsy, like you can just look at me walking in and Bradley like, he's absolutely fucked. Like he's not doing this session. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I'll I'd get out of the pool and he'd be like, you know, how you doing? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, fine. Totally cool. You know, kind of absolutely firing like a madman. Like my head tw- you know, twitching, my hands spasming. And he'd be like, you're not, you're not okay. Yeah. And again, it was, Kind of, again that like kind of learn to work with each other and i think um again you know kind of me not kind of constantly trying to prove you know that i'm you know you know i suppose kind of let the let your results kind of do you know speak for you rather than kind of trying to prove day in day out that you deserve the, the place so i think you know again again with disability sport it's it's a whole kind of different cat the fish to everybody spot because you're not only competing with like in in able sport, everyone's on the same. Everyone's at, kind of on the same level. Whereas in disability sport, especially if it's kind of multi classification, you're competing against people, other people in different classifications. You've got to. It isn't. It isn't who touches the wall first. It isn't who finishes first. It's who's close to their own world record. And that you know kind of flips it all on its head a little bit because you, you you. I mean, you can touch the wall first, but not win the race, sort of thing. And that's kind of a bit of a thing to get used to. Um, and it, but I, I think again, personally, it, it made the sport for me much more interesting because it isn't you're, you're not looking at who's winning, the, you're looking at who's you know, you're looking more at the times rather than who touches the wall first. Mm. And um, yeah, that was always again, it was mega kind of like seeing kind of and again, like obviously with this space sport, again, it's I think you know, with everybody's sport as well, it's how people adapt certain movements and certain things to suit them and how to get how they can best perform. Like I've seen. And I, I, also, you see it with coaching, you know, kind of how people's joints they kind of intersect depends on how they'll squat, like you know, the, how how much rotation they will have on their feet depends on how their how how good their ankle mobility is. So that all kind of comes together, but especially with disability sport because it's it's um, a kind of format where something is awry, something is maybe missing that you you then adapt to the entire movement, still fit in with those rules, but you can still do incredible things. Hmm. And I think that's, you know, I've seen some amazing, you know, some amazing kind of people, you know, and again, as you say, it, it's that mentality. I think obviously, you know, who've kind of been like, no, I, I, I'm not going to let this kind of be that kind of end of my, you know, I, I'm not going to let this kind of disability be kind of a limiting factor. I'm still going to do what I want to do. You know, I might have to do it differently, but I'm still going to do, you know, and be, you know, a great athlete and do great things. I think that's such kind of a mental, it's, it's so uplifting to see and so kind of inspirational. 
I think it, no matter what level you are, if you participate in a disability sport, you are one of the most mentally strong human beings on the fucking planet. Mm. Like, by far. Like, being able to just take, take that knock and just be like, oh, yeah, so this needs to change, this needs to change. You'd be like, all right, I'm still going to dominate. I'm still going to yeah. do it. I'm still going to, like, be fit and healthy. No matter where mm. you are on that spectrum, I think it's yeah. absolutely incredible, mate. Uh I think one thing for me, obviously with disability sports, again, I, I came to the party really late with it. Like I, it was, I, I never, I never had any, any kind of interest in sport. Like I, I wasn't, I was kind of like the kind of, you know, set three PE, like kind of little chubby kid. Didn't really want to do sport. So I had the disability. And even though my, my, my parents were aged with me, they were sort of like, just like, you know, kind of throw them in and, and see what happens. And obviously having kind of a twin sister, an able twin sister, an embodied older brother, I was, they never treated me any differently. So I was never, I was never per se kind of like totally, you know, kind of wrapped in cotton wool. My parents were kind of more of a kind of see what you can do and kind of like, you know, we'll throw you on a trampoline and see, just judge, and we'll just see what happens sort of thing, mm. which you know, might not have been the safest, but um, they really kind of not treating me kind of as kind of fragile and as kind of different, you know, from my siblings really kind of helped in that sense. But um, I'd always kind of, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't embarrassed about being, I, 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 I'm really unfortunate with my disability. Like, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I've coped really well with it. I've had, you know, great doctors, great physios, you know, I've been involved in trials and, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of more pioneering things, which have been really fortunate, like off the Botox trial and stuff like that really had a you know, great impact on my kind of um, outcomes. But I never kind of openly would walk into, you know, especially in, you know, in high school, it, it can be a brutal place, you know, where kind of differences are picked on. So I, I wouldn't walk into a classroom and say, you know, I've got cerebral palsy, you know, sort of thing. It wasn't something that I would openly kind of go about and say. Um, but as I've gotten older, you know, kind of, I suppose I've kind of owned it more. And obviously, again, I think I, when you become older as well, it, people become kind of more open to the idea. Yeah. Not open to, not open to the idea, but kind of more, not even understanding, because I think just people kind of, kind of, it becomes more of a discussion rather than like, if I told people back when I was 15 or 16, or I've got, they'd be like, all right, okay. And then they kind of almost kind of wanted to kind of divert the topic, and it wouldn't be something that was kind of openly discussed. Whereas now, I'll say, yeah, but you know, I've got cerebral palsy. That you know, like, let, let's chat about it now. Like, you know, like if you, if you ask me a question, like you know, sort of thing, which I think is a much better way to be with disability. You know, because so much of it is understanding. And again, with with all disabilities and with you know with all people, every, everyone's different. You know, so so you know, so everyone's going to have slightly different disabilities. Going to affect them in a slightly different way. And it's about kind of how you adapt and how you approach challenges, I think, are the, are the main things. I think that um, relates to, like, you know, like, the bigger picture of, like, hate and hate crime and, and all those other, like, different avenues you can go down of, of, of like, you know, um, people's sexual orientation, people's race, although we are all still the human race. So I think that argument is just null. Like, I just don't understand it like people's uh, abilities in the body and stuff, like all of it comes from a lack of understanding. All of it exactly. comes from living under a fucking rock. So like, mm. why why are topics taboo that we can't talk mm. about it? Because all that does is just create that negative spiral and it ends yeah. up going down. Definitely. So like, I'm yeah, just... like you said, just talk about it. Like we've had, we've had mm. conversations and like, yeah. I respect the shit out of it because then we both know like where to go. It's yeah. like if we get in a car, right? And we didn't speak about where we wanted to go. How would I know where to go? How would I know yeah. where to drive? Mm. 
that you, you, you're 100% right. And I think, again, growing up, I, you know, I was really fortunate. Obviously, when I was younger, I'll say I had kind of more going on and I you know, had to kind of get my feet straightened. And it was, it was less able for me to kind of to blend in, kind of, and kind of hide the disability, I suppose. And kind of, kind of appear, again, I hate, I hate the term normal. And I, I hate the term disabled as well, to be honest. Um, I, I like the term differently abled. But, um, yeah, it is um, though, isn't it? Yeah, um, but um, when I got into high school, I was really kind of, I, I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want to kind of, I can advert, you know, kind of be an advert for it sort of thing. Um, but then when I started swimming, and again, I, when I used to, when people used to, I used to tell people, you know, oh, I've got a disability, you, you, you kind of get two sort of looks where people, it's either A, which is, I, mean, I suppose in, in a way is kind of a common, be A surprised, go, oh, oh, really? I, I, I didn't realise. So that's in a way quite nice, but also I kind of sort of say, what what does disability look like? You know, d- disability isn't just one thing. Mm. You know, disability is a multi, a, you know, a plethora of things. Like, it isn't just, you know, it isn't just one particular thing. It's a, such a wide spectrum. So, I, and then already a, a little bit kind of almost kind of like or, either awkwardness or pity. But, oh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. What's there to be sorry for? You know, it, there's no, you know, there's no reason to be sorry. You know, it's who I am. You know. As, it, you know, it's the, 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 there's, no, like, there's no, no reason to be sorry. And they're the kind of two main approaches that I kind of always got when I told people that I had a disability. And one thing that always kind of stuck with me at swimming was when um, when I first started, again, I, I couldn't do a press-up, didn't know like how to really swim any strokes, but I started going. And um, I think you know Callum. Yeah, obviously, obviously you know Callum. He's obviously going. He's yeah. one of my kind of close friends. I, I met him through swimming. Um, but when I first started, I didn't know what press was, didn't know what burpee was. We, we, we used to do land training, and the guy said to me, just copy Callum, like, you'll be fine. Like, he knows what he's doing. So I started copying him, um, but I didn't realise that he was cheating. On So I was cop- I was copying him, but doing it worse. So it made it, just look, it, it, made it look like I was just openly cheating. And the guy was like, oh, like, if you're cheating, like, we, we, like whenever, else, whenever else gets to rest, you, you can do a punishment. So I just used to have kind of, like, do a wall sit holding this bag. And it was because Callum had the biggest bag, he gave me Callum's bag. And what Callum used to do is that he used to fill his bag full of bottles of, like, full, full bottles of water, not to drink, just to make his bag heavier. So when I had to do the wall sit, it was with a heavier bag. And I think, again, that, that sort of thing, he didn't treat me any differently because I had a disability. It was like, I was like, I like this guy. Yeah. Like, this guy, you know, he, he isn't all, you know, I've, I've got to try and you're kind of almost kind of like, you know, kind of like, like, not, not kind of mess with him. He was like, no, we're going to, you know, just kind of sort of just, see what you can do sort of thing and you kind of like treat me differently. I, I think I, I really appreciated that. And I think, again, once people get to know you, and you know, and you kind of know, again, like you kind of remove that kind of, and that kind of like, um, that kind of lack of understanding and that kind of lack of, um, kind of like, kind of like the lack of their concept of it. They, they, they treat you exactly like, they, they treat you, they treat you as, as anyway. it's just it's that initial, Kind of getting them, get, getting kind of that kind of that topic broached, you know. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. So. So what I think was that? Um, you know. What was like the the, the what 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 was the difference? I don't want to say difference. Like. Nah, man. Just, just, just say what you're feeling, mate. Nah. What what did it look like? You know, obviously with being your former CP, like yeah. what was what was that initial like? What was the process as you went through, and then like what is it? Cause like mate, yeah. mate, I've known you for fucking years, and I didn't have a clue. Like yeah. it just didn't. And people are this like, "Oh, have you not noticed?" I'm like, "Well, first of all, no, and second of all, does it fucking matter?" 
Yeah, I, I mean, both prime examples. I, I, I think this is one thing as well, is that everyone's different. And then like when I sort of point out what I do differently, people go, oh yeah, you, you do do that. But I just thought that's what you did. So everyone, everyone walks slightly differently. Everyone, everyone, you know, moves slightly. Everyone's got a different like gait. Everyone's got a different way of speaking. Mm. When you point out, people go, oh yeah, I've noticed that, but I just thought that's how you were. And that's exactly, I can't say, well, that's exactly, that is how I am. That is but exactly right. Saying, yeah. You just assume that's how I was. So yeah. what difference does putting a term on it mean? Um, but yeah, so um, with my kind of, I suppose, my kind of story around it. So me and my sister were born at 28 weeks. So we were born quite prematurely. Um, and when we were born, um, she was the first twin out and I was the second born twin. Um, and I came out um, feet first, which obviously caused a few more problems. So there was obviously being born prematurely, there's kind of there was a 14 minute delay between us. And um, in the end, they just kind of they just had to kind of sort of pull me out. And they sort of said to my mum, like, again, with cerebral palsy, you, you, you can't say, like, they couldn't say for definite. They said that there's a high likelihood that he's going to have, you know, he's going to have cerebral palsy. We think it, you know, from what the kind of tested is, we think it's going to be laterally, kind of laterally based. And I've, I've got spastic hemiplegia, which is a weakness down to the left-hand side of my body or, you know, on one side of my body. Um, the, the, the new when I was born, that my feet were rotating internally. So they said that, you know, that's going to be a, a difficult thing. Like we're going to have to, you know, he's, he's, he, he might have to walk on crutches with a frame, you know, um, he, he might be totally fine. Like at that point they couldn't say. So I think my mum just sort of said like, right, you know, we're just going to, we're going to, you know, kind of get in the best support that we can. And we're going to see what happens. Again, like obviously my mum being my mum. So he's sort of, he, he, you know, he's, he's going to have, you know, your like leg weakness. He, he, he's really going to struggle with walking sort of thing. And mum was like, right, yeah. Do you know that, that those uh, baby, baby bounces like you can put them in doors and the kind of the baby bounces in them? Mm. He's like, right, just gonna whack them in there for a few hours each day, get you know, get the leg gains and sort of thing. Um, and I think having an able-bodied twin really helped me because obviously you can watch what they're gonna do and watch what they're doing, how they do things, and also kind of then again to kind of sort of tailor that view. So my mum always said I was always slower, like learn to walk, learn to crawl, learn to do everything, but I'd eventually get there. And it's kind of, again, I suppose not kind of, kind of being like, not kind of being like, we expect this, we, we expect this now, we expect this then. I think if you didn't, you know, if you weren't told your baby had cerebral palsy, you wouldn't expect them to do, you know, like you, you'd let them do it in their own time sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that that was the same thing. And then when I was little, I used to have to wear kind of custom made boots that kind of bent my feet straight. So a bit, a bit like braces for your teeth, mm. but instead for your feet. So kind of once a month I'd go to kind of hospital and they just slowly, gradually kind of, rotate my feet straight um and then yeah i mean because for, from then on really it wasn't i was really fortunate that i kind of had you know kind of weekly physio weekly, you know, kind of regular doctor appointments and they they really kind of stayed on top of it so that i didn't get my contraction didn't, uh, in my left hand didn't get much worse than it already was i still had kind of good good use of my left hand um it was only when i started swimming and obviously kind of developing more muscle mass that the kind of increased tone increased cns uh, activity that it caused kind of more issues with my mobility, my, the, the use of my hand, and that was kind of a, a really tough thing because it was kind of I, I enjoyed the sport and I enjoy doing what I'm doing, but is it worth at the cost of kind of my own kind of physical health? You know, kind of I was kind of having more issues with walking, more issues with kind of using my left hand, um, and then. Um, I would, and, and then I was really fortunate. I'd say I've been in hospitals all across the northwest. 
um, you know, kind of from day one. So I, I'm really used to being in hospital. So I, I was never one of those kids who was scared of going to hospital. It was kind of sort of my kind of monthly trip out. So I think it was kind of an expected thing. Mm. Um, like I, when I started working at the hospital, I knew the only route that I knew in the hospital was from where my mum worked to the, the to the gift shop. So I used to go there after every kind of doctor's appointment, but she used to take me to the gift shop and buy me sweets. Mm. So that's, that's the only kind of route I knew in the hospital when I first started. Um, but I was really fortunate that I was at um, Risington in, in Wigan and one of the registrars there sort of said, oh, there's a, a trial starting in Cancer Chester to kind of, it's a Botox trial. So they're going to inject, inject Botox into your contracted limbs. Um, and that obviously, the impact of Botox probably kind of, obviously it would um, kind of minimise the kind of the stimulation. So therefore the contractors would kind of also kind of essentially revert. Obviously, then it can give you an opportunity to also kind of strengthen those weaker muscles and kind of limit, again, kind of improve the, the kind of use of, your, of the limb. So I, I obviously agreed to do it and it really was massively beneficial. Um, so I've, I've got kind of full movement in my left hand again and everything like that. And that was huge um, for me. Um, but um, again, with this body, everyone's different. Um, you know, everyone's, you know, experience is different. Everyone's especially with cerebral palsy because obviously it's, it's involved in the brain you know it's it's such an unknown entity like we know so much we still have so much left to learn mm-hmm. that you can't expect you know to, like no one's had the exact same cerebral palsy no one's gonna have the exact same injury so you can't expect the exact same outcomes and you know i think that's why again the the, the treatment needs to be so diverse and so kind of t- you know person person specific because it's it's so um it's so unique and it's so individual. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of my kind of tale of, of kind of having sterile palsy. Um, but you know, I, I still, when I work out, I still have, you know, kind of spasms and I obviously the contract, obviously when, when I had kind of more kind of, kind of taxed kind of central in the metaphor system, it obviously does, the contract does kind of come back, but I have more control over it. If that makes sense. So I can choose when, you know, I, you know when to you know when it's I suppose kind of more appropriate to have kind of flexion in my hand and flexion in my kind of leg um but yeah it's it's something I've never seen you know it, 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 it definitely makes things harder but it's it gives you kind of more to, more to kind of think about I suppose and kind of how, how can I approach this and also mm-hmm. when you're shown to do things you're shown how they would do it so you think well how am I going to do it so it kind of gives you kind of more of a um more of a kind of open mind kind of to approach kind of problems and such which i think yeah, is really, sure. really how's um nice. how's how's been doing crossfit how's how's the um, what's it been like um so again it's again i suppose with, with everything when, when i first meet people and i also i saw the thing that you know I'm, I'm confident about you know when, the, when this but when i first started when i first started like especially doing kind of stuff on the soul bike on the rower um, especially kind of like more kind of complex lifting as well like where it's kind of full body and it really is um, you know taxing movements for the CNS I would kind of start firing I would start toe walking because again it's, it's my full it's my left hand side so it's my obviously my left leg my um, kind of obviously kind of hat obviously like left extremity so obviously I would start toe walking I would start obviously kind of having kind of more flexion in my hand and I remember kind of at first I'm saying and I'd, I'd be kind of firing as well so I'd kind of be having kind of spasms in the kind of obviously my neck and my trap and my shoulder and that kind of pull my head to the side. And I remember at first being really kind of like, oh my God, like what are they going to think? What are they going to say? And then 
when I realized no one cares, you know, I was like, oh, sweet. Again, I think that is the, the, the main point of it. Like, no one cares what you do as long as you, like, you know, as long as you kind of, you're in there, you're working hard, you know, like, and I think I like that. Because again, they're not treating it differently. Like, oh, I'll get people saying, that's a no rep. I'm like, you're right, it is a no rep. Like, you know, I've got to make sure I lock it out fully with both arms, you know, mm. so um, I enjoy, you know, I, I was nervous at first, but I, I you know, I was, I was quickly shit, you know, quickly kind of learned that it was nothing, to, like no one, no one cares, you know, you're just there working, working as hard as you can. So it isn't a big thing. What advice would you give to people, whether they're a coach or not, it doesn't really matter. Like what, what advice would you give to people that, uh, interacting with you know a differently abled body athlete, whether they're yeah. high up or not, would you be like just oh, giving I mean, the fucking same shit? The big, I mean, I, I wouldn't go out immediately and say give them the same. I think the biggest thing you do is just talk to them and have that honest, yeah. honest, that honest conversation. And say, All right, it isn't you know what kind of, it's what can you do, and what can we do to support you to do everything that you can do. So there's so many like examples where like you, you can see people doing things and it's just like, right. So you, you can't do that, but or, or you can't do that yet. But what can we do to scaffold it in a way that we, we can still get the same stimulus, the same outcomes? Because at the, at the end of the day, like, you know, it's, it's still just scaling. It's just, instead of using a, a different weight or like a, or a different movement, you're just doing Oh, exactly. you're doing a slightly different movement. You're doing the same thing. You're getting the same benefit. But I think it's, it's having, obviously, again, you, you don't want to walk. I mean, again, it's, it, as I said, with disability, it's the same with people. You know, it's, it's unique to every person. Some people, like, I'm, if someone comes to me, tell me about his terrible policy, I'm like, sit down, get a cup of coffee. You know, this is going to be a long chat. Mm. Um, but some people are, you know, still, I mean, it's who I was a person. You know, some people are quite, you know, kind of quite shy about the disability that they don't want to talk about, it, which is totally cool. Um, but, you know, you need to kind of get to know the person and then say, right, as a coach, we need to know, you know, we, 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 we want to give you the best possible programming. So we want to know, how, you know, what's going to work for you and, you know, how can we work together? And again, as with, with any coaching, you know, with any coaching, any athletes, how can we work together to get the best for you? And I'm, I'm sure you agree that the, the, the key thing in that is communication. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, to be honest, like coaching wise and, and why CrossFit is so good. Like even when people have injuries, like you can still fucking come into a class. So it, all it is, is different. It, people have different limitations. People have different things going on. They might not, they might not even want to deadlift today because they're so fucking fried. It's like no yeah. problem. Like I've had, I've had people come in that I've absolutely buggered. I've had people come in who's like pushing athlete sort of I want to compete sort of thing and then I've also had a lady who's late in her 60s that kind of just wants to be able to move around and get somewhat of yeah. a sweat on because that's the only time she's got out of her rocking chair which is sound and then you also get people that are like hearing impaired and you know they they need oh, to yeah. be at the front so then you need to project your voice but at an angle so they can lip read you or you then um you know you learn a little bit of sign so then yeah. you can sort of see it like it all it is is different limitations. I think it's fucking yeah. fascinating. I love coaching oh. the whole thing because then, like, yeah. you're like, oh, this is sick because I get an opportunity to, like, to practice, to learn, and to also deliver yeah. exactly the same thing but in, like, 16 different ways. And, mate, it's fucking exactly cool. It's having challenges yourself because, like, sometimes yeah. you're, like, you're thinking, right, like, how can I think out of the box here? How can I do this differently? And that's... 
expanding your repertoire and expanding your ability and challenging you and that's making you a better coach mm. and you know I was really fortunate actually in the program when I was swimming there was a swimmer there who was deaf she was actually a deaf Olympian um, mm. Danielle Joy she's an incredible athlete um, but she was deaf and again just le- like learning how it, like obviously she could obviously speak sign fluently she's like an ambassador for loads of deaf um, you know deaf sport deaf charities she's an awesome person um, and she really kind of I mean for me and for many other people I'm sure kind of really kind of opened my eyes kind of what again because you know being deaf again people really kind of see if you say disposable the, the, the amount of the time people think someone in a wheelchair and that isn't disability disability is at l- multiple different avenues yeah. you know and so she kind of really kind of points out like someone's like, again it's it's how so, again people things people don't realize that can, can be they can make things difficult for you know if for, for say people like you know, for deaf people for you know and visually impaired people for learning impaired people for you know kind of mentally you know people with, with mental you know issues you know disabilities it's it's little things that you, you aren't aware of but then when someone opens your eyes and makes you aware of it you think wow i've been so kind of narrow-minded and then when someone's kind of said to you you know because like dj like um she was um like i didn't really again she, she's so good at lip reading that i didn't like again if no one told me i'd be like i wouldn't know mm. so it's again, you know, having your kind of mind, um, kind of having your kind of your horizons broadened, sort of thing. Yeah, it's incredible, more. man. Like yeah. I fucking, um, I've got, I've got an athlete at the moment that's like hearing impaired, and and she's been through a couple of things, like, um, you know, early childhood, well, early teenagers. So her development, atrophy-wise, has been has been major. So like her development is like a lot less and had early onset like osteoporosis and things like that so it's like oh wow like this is this is not obviously awesome but it also is because we get to we get to delve and help you like well yeah. i get to help you in like so many different avenues and like we we kind of there's certain things that we kind of like conduct in sign but i'll make mm-hmm. sure like it's you know like again and understand and you know you kind of like um yeah. you know nine ten we kind of like we just i don't know like it's a learning curve we can still talk to each other yeah. it's a learning curve for me to not to not mumble and slur my words and use as much yeah. max slang you know what i mean but then it's just like okay like <laughs> yeah. i just nip on the phone and get the um and get the fucking new zealand sign language mm-hmm. dictionary up we have a little chat what's your word of the day oh my word of the day is this what's yours and like i don't know yeah, then yeah. you you sort of you dissect through that and I think one one that um, I had recently, which was really interesting, was um, Tourette's and ADHD. Mm-hmm. So I've like I've I've coached Tourette's before. I've coached ADHD before. I've coached ADD before. I've coached like you name it. Like mm-hmm. I, I'll have, I'll have coached it. Like I've like a PE teacher in in uh, in a city school in Manchester. So a lot of people, a lot of a lot of kids ended up having all sorts of stuff. But yeah. I never, I'd never, just out of just coincidence, I'd never had the combination of the two, which was really mm-hmm. like really interesting. Um, and it was like you've got a, you're like, uh, in, in my in my sort of experience anyway, you had to put your foot down, but in a in a sign of authoritative but a calm manner. Yeah, especially when, yeah. especially when it was a young, it was a young lad, um, where. 
like parents are separated so then that poses other questions and other um other hard things that you got to do and like all those little intricacies that come together mate even if we we use the term fully abled right because who the fuck is fully abled let's be honest yeah but you class the term as fully abled or normal or whatever and i use those quote quotation marks because i think it's Mm -hmm. bullshit just like you mate but like we've all got limitations and we've all got those lines psychologically that you just can't mm-hmm. you can't cross because it'll just send us in a spiral, mm-hmm. whether it's childhood trauma, whether it's fucking you can't use the left side of your body, whether it is yeah. you you have no legs, whether it is you're deaf, blind, or whatever. We all have limitations. Mm-hmm. And like the to be able to like break that stigma is being like, all right, cool. Let's uh let's talk about it. So I don't one upset you by saying something that's you know saying something that that, that i shouldn't and two yeah. so i can fucking like we can just like divert the path a little bit so then we just keep going you can work exactly that. so you know you you bang on mate you know let's talk about so let's get so we're, we're both on the same page so we're both re- you know singing from the same hymn sheet mm. um you know um and it is just um again about being Again, just just being again, as, as you know, it, as you say, you know, everyone everyone has something, and it's you know, it's it's again how everyone adapts. It's human nature to adapt. It's it's actually not human. It's you know, it's every, every organism has to adapt, to evolve to survive. Mm. So, if you're put under a, a certain pressure, you're, you're going to find a way to adapt, or or, you, or you're going to cease to exist, sort of thing. And so, um, everyone's constantly adapting. Everyone's constantly doing things slightly differently. And I think. Once people kind of wrap their head around that and realize that there is no, as I say, no one perfect human being who can do everything, then you can have something like, oh wow, you know. And I think again, it's when you watch athletes. I mean, again, I think we we both back to sport because I think that's our background. When you watch athletes at the elite level, you look at someone and go, well, he's, you know, a world, you know, an Olympic finalist. He's from completely differently to the, this chap next to him, who's also a world finalist. So you think if there's multiple ways to do things, that means mm-hmm. a a there's more than one way to do things. So why can't my way be one of the ways it works? See, I think I think weightlifting is is one of the best examples for that because it's three movements, right? It's the snatch, the clean, and the jerk. Granted, mm-hmm. you've got you teach the back squat and and all those other like pulls and high pull and oh, snatch. Yeah, accessory stuff. But at the end of the day, like when you're on the platform, you're gonna do six lifts. Three of them are going to be the snatch. Three of them, you're going to clean it. And then you're going to obviously jerk it or, or attempt to do all three of those movements. And like, you've got Western style, you've got Eastern style, you've got Eastern block, you've got the Chinese style, you've got all these different things. You've got the combination of the two. You've got more hybrids. You've got like more progressive, more like old school, but it's the same fucking lifts. Like yeah. someone, someone can weigh the same someone they won't look the same for sure but they could weigh the same they could be in the same category lifting exactly the same amount of weight have exactly mm-hmm. the same like um power to weight ratio yet it looks completely different and they look completely different and i'm just like so why why should we be reading from a textbook and be like nah yeah. you have to do this because i'm like this way this is the way you yeah, do it exactly no it isn't the way it's not the you, way you, mate. You said- you said that this is the way that you do it, but do you want to try it this way and see how this way works for you? That's totally fine. You can try different ways. That's to- I, I'd encourage that because if you can do something multiple different ways, you're probably more likely to be, A, not injure yourself, but also having that in your locker um, just makes it, you are more rounded athlete, a more complete athlete. But saying to someone, the way you do it is wrong. 
that is, as a coach, you've you completely kind of shot yourself. You've you've done the wrong. Th- you've done. You shouldn't ever tell someone that they're wrong. You say you, you. That's not the way that I would do it. You might if you try this way, it might be it might be better for you. But if you want to keep going on that route, and as, 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 as long as they're not compromising themselves, if, if it's dangerous or unsafe, that's when I'd st- you know I'd say you know you, you've got to kind of stop doing that. But if if they're getting the same stimulus, the same um, attainment out of it, then you know crack on. Well, it's like but, you you know something that I, something that I say regularly is um, you teach the movement, but you coach the individual. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and it's you know that's like. Kind of, everyone's going to be taught the same thing mm-hmm. yet. We're all not going to do it the same way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, you know, enough said. And if everyone did it the same way, it'd be, it'd be such a, a boring thing. Cause it, it, it would eventually come down to then if everyone does it the same way, you'd eventually just find an ideal height and weight rate, as you say, and an ideal, like, I mean, like, I mean, again, I, I go back to swimming, but Phelps was literally just like biologically designed to be a good swimmer. You know, long arms, long torso, short legs, multi, you know, um, double jointed, you know, large feet, large hands. He was designed to be, you know, to be excellent in the water. However, um, if if you just had the where everyone did the exact same thing, there just eventually could come a time where eventually you got the right biological combination of things that may be the best. But then that'd be boring because then you you just go to like preschool and be like, right, he's got the right attributes, he's gonna be a weightlifter. Mm-hmm. He's the rapper, he's gonna be a good swimmer, and then that just takes it out of it. So, like, I mean, like in football, you could be like Paul Scholes, you know, five foot, whatever, five yeah. foot nothing, ginger lad, but could ping the ball about for fun. Messi, you know, if you'd look to him when he was a kid, you know, with shin splints, so you'd say, No, you know, no way. Um, if you looked at, you know, something like, and then, and then you get athletes like Jordan, like Dressel. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you, you've kept track of ISL. Um, in the last couple of years, but yeah. dressers like them, were there to me, they're like athletes where you can put them in any game, any sports situation, and they do really well. Like you could put Dressel in the 100 meter, the 100 meter, you know, the 100 meters um, in athletics, and he'd, he'd smash it. You put him in javelin, he'd smash that. You put him in football, he'd smash that. He's one of those athletes where you can put him anywhere and he'd, he'd do great things. Is that- but that's what, you, that's what you sort of want. You sort of want someone, or like you want to kind of almost have that surprise, like uh, Kasuke Higino. Mm-hmm. A medley, he, he won the Fordham medley at Rio. He's five foot eight. He's, he's not your typical swimmer, swimmer, swimmer build, but his technique is like like if you got if you designed a robot to swim, that's what the that's what you that's what you made them do sort of thing. Like you know, and so having that diversity among athletes actually makes the sport a spectacle and a spectator, like something that you want to watch because it is it is multiple different avenues with multiple different things you know what's going to work best yeah there's always going to be outliers right and you can't yeah. you can't just genetically like engineer something and they're going to be perfect like because because we're fucking human right. beings it, it doesn't end up working on and it works on paper but then it doesn't work in reality or it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time so because you yeah. can't guarantee a, a w you can't guarantee a world record every time or a win like it poses that question every coach in the back of their minds like well we can't guarantee a win. So we've not found the perfect formula. And every yeah. coach, every coach in the world fucking knows they're never going to find a perfect formula, but every coach will die trying. Yeah, that's it. And again, I think as we, as, you know, as we, as we kind of alluded to earlier in our discussion, like 
there are you know multiple different ways to do a certain thing, and I think every coach will back a certain one because mm. that's what the, that's what they're the most positive experience with. But that will again, and I, I think I, I just say having athletes who know multiple things, but having coaches who know multiple different teaching points. Because as we said before, like sometimes you'll explain something to it to an athlete, and they'll just look at you blankly, and they'll have no idea what you just said to them. Like you might as well be speaking a different language because they'll be like, "What's he just said?" And then you'll explain it in a different way and use different you know, use different cues or different uh, methodology to kind of approach the same task and be like, oh, I get that. And that's so crucial in teaching and coaching is to be able to kind of have different um, different, different paths to the same goal, you know, and kind of show people kind of multiple different avenues and say, which, which of these suits you best? And that, you know, is, 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 you know, is you know, massively important when you any coaching any sort of athlete, really, is to have that kind of ability to say, you know, Right. What, what do you want to try? What do you want to do? And letting the kind of the, the, the individual have that freedom of um, freedom of kind of choosing their own kind of or what, what suits them best. And obviously, once they've chosen something, you can then say to them, "Try this. Try that. Try," and kind of give them kind of different things to try because that might benefit them. And I think there's no one size fits all. There's no there's no perfect kind of formula for coaching an athlete because if there was, I just say we'd have kind of like elite superhuman. Um, Athletes, that that'd be kind of it'd almost be boring to coach. You're like, yeah, you've just broken the world record. There's not, there's, there's nothing more that I can tell you to do. So I've given you the formula. So just crack on. I'll sit in the back. Uh, if you want your bottle, fill them up. I'll do that. You know. Yeah, we want to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's almost good that there's no perfect athlete, or you know. And um, I think when I was teaching, actually, what the the, the, the head of the department that in the last school that I was in, I was I watched him do a lesson. He was he was incredible. Like one of the best teachers, I've worked with many great teachers, but he's one of the best I've seen. I sort of said, uh, after the lesson, I was like, this is, I kind of was telling him like it was incredible. This is awesome. Yeah. He said, um, he said to me, like, I'm a good teacher, but I'm, I, I, I'm not the finished article. Like, if you think you're the finished article, like you think you're the best that you can be, stop, give up, go do something else because you're never, never going to be, per- you're never going to be the finished article. You're never going to be the, the done deal. You're never going to, Get there and be like, I'm the best at everything. Like, you know, there's nothing I can do to improve. There's always something you can do differently or something you can try to make it better. And I think, you know, athletes like that, like athletes like, like Ronaldo, you know, who do just try every every little thing, every last little you know, because sort of kind of the, the no stone turn mantra where he will try absolutely everything is really kind of, um, you know, is awesome to see because, you know, that's a, again a different level of dedication. Yeah, 100%, man. And, like, you know, nothing is ever 100 out of 100. And if you don't have the passion mm-hmm. to to try something to try something different to then better yourself as an individual and the craft that you per, you have chosen to pursue, then it's not the right one to pursue. You know, long mm-hmm. life is short, but life is also a long fucking time. And if you're going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's good enough, and cap yourself and put yourself in that box and put a ceiling above yourself, then like, what's the point? Like, you might as well just you might as well just end the game now and say save and quit. You know what I mean? Log yeah. off the system, like yeah. fucking uh, Mister Total used to say. It's just like now, nah, like you know the the whole point is taking yourself, like doing whatever you need to do, going through whatever psychological battles, physiological battles you need to do inside the box to figure out that life actually fucking starts when you take off the lid, hop out of it. Mm-hmm. And now you no longer have a limitation on yourself. Now you can literally do whatever the fuck you want to do. All you got to do yeah. is do the frigging work. That's, That's it. it. Keep learning. It's so true. 
keep falling down, keep getting back up, keep striving, keep learning, keep fucking up, keep going forward. That's it. That's all it is. I think it, again, I could be totally wrong here, but I think it, it was I think it was Henry Ford who said, "If you say you can't, you're probably right. But if you say you can't, you're also probably right." Um, I'm not sure about that one, but it, it comes from uh, he who says he can, he who says he can't are both usually right, yeah. and it's from Confucius. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's exactly that. Like you're only kind of limited by what you're kind of willing to sort of kind of um, kind of what, what you kind of mentally like to what you mentally willing to kind of say. Because you, 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 everyone in the middle is like capable of great things, mm. and you know I, th- I think we see that you know in kind of every walk of life, where, where whether it's you know in business like Bezos or in kind of science and technology like Musk or you know in sport like you know like Dressel like Bolt, you see these people and they're the sort of people who've kind of almost gone like right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of like, I there's no limit for me. I'm gonna be. I'm almost going to, I'm going to set the pace sort of thing. There's nothing limiting me, so let's see how far we can go. I think once you kind of get to that, like kind of that mindset, um, like Petey at the minute, swimming, he's, he's just totally focused on just, because there's no one near enough to him on breaststroke to, it's not, a, it's not him racing on people, it's him racing himself. And I think that's such a, a big motivator. Like it's now not, it's not, it's not to do with anyone else, it's to do with just you. Mm. Um, and that's, fundamentally what it's got to be it can't be about beating other people it's got to be about bettering yourself and again with CrossFit you know obviously again everyone likes to race with everyone wants to kind of finish first but if you're you know 10 seconds better than what you were three, two years ago you know that you've improved you know that you've done better and that's you know kind of self-improvement is the biggest or should be the biggest drive for every everyone really mm. again whether it's CrossFit whether it's you know in your you know your kind of work life whether it's in your kind of mental health as long as you're progressing you're developing you're moving forwards that's all that anyone can really hope for that's it man it's all about growth right it's all about mm-hmm. like learning the lesson that you need to and kind of taking those steps forwards those small like little increments to to grow and, and do whatever you need to do like you know if you if you win a race right but you stopped 20 meters before the fucking wall because everyone else was so far behind you and you just doggy paddled to the finish Granted, you won a race and you got a gold medal, but did you run it? Did you swim a good race? Yeah, exactly, mate. Um, I think you know, Pete. He, he said himself. You know, I've read articles, I've read um, kind of interviews with him where he said he kind of went through almost kind of like a bit of a dark place where he was like, "I'm the best in the world." You know, the, the, the nearest person to me is you know a second and a half behind, which is you know leaps and bounds and you know kind of in kind of ten swimming. And, when you didn't have that challenge anymore, like almost kind of like your whole your whole life you're working towards kind of winning that medal, you know, kind of being a, you know being the world record holder, kind of, and once you kind of won all the medals that you could win and broken the world record and be the world record holder, you sort of come like, what else is there now? Like, what else can I do? And it took it took him quite a while to kind of almost kind of get out of that kind of mindset. Of, I've done everything I can, and kind of you know now I'm going to push and go further than anyone else. Has. I'm going to go as far as I possibly can and really kind of hit that world record as low as it can possibly be. That's where you start fixating on like how you can become better and those lessons and you know learning and 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 taking steps forward and you start looking yourself in the mirror like metaphorically speaking i not actually looking yourself in the mirror but it's just like how the fuck can i like do something better to to defeat me and that's where the real fucking growth comes from like that's yeah. where you end up like creating some like real lasting incredible things that's where the you know that elon musk Vaynerchuk, 
fucking um, mm. Mandela's, like all these. That's how they get there. It's not from mm-hmm. oh, how can I, how can I beat Pete in the pool? Yeah. Not how can I beat everyone else because fuck you, the gold medal's mine. It's just yeah. like nah, like how can I end up, you know, whether it takes you two weeks or whether it takes you fucking two hundred years, how can you end up sort of just putting a layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer mm. and keep getting further up to the top. Like I heard a, I heard a quote from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, not cra- crazy recently, but pretty recently that literally mm. just hit home for me. It was like hitting a home run. It was just like, all right, that is, that's it. It was like, there's two ways to build the big, biggest building. One, mm-hmm. you spend all your time and energy ripping every other building down to the ground. Yeah. So yours is the biggest building. Or two, you build the biggest fucking building. Yeah. That, that's that is, it. Again, such a good kind of point. Because, again, you, 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 as you say, you, you can choose to kind of, I think, you know, that's one, it kind of one issue in disability sport, which kind of, I think, was one of, the, one of the few kind of sour things that I had about it was where, obviously, we're all classified. We're, we're, we're all put in different classifications. And I think in swimming, it was kind of one of the few kind of, um, if not the only sport left where everyone kind of competes against one another, like, you know, so you, you, you get kind of, you know, people with achondroplasia, amputees, cerebral palsy, um, and it's all, you're all classified together and you're all given a certain classification and you race against other people. So like I'd be swimming in, I was in, I was in S8, so I swam against people with, you know, amputations, people, um, you know, cerebral palsy, people, you know, all, all different types of um, disabilities. But we all compete together. But the thing that I disliked about it was that you get people saying, "Ah, oh, I should be an S seven. I should be. I should be an S. S. You know, an S five. I should be." And it was. It took away. It took away from the sport for me because whenever anyone did anything incredible, like you see someone smash a world record, for example, you, you immediately everyone sort of saying, "Ah, oh, they're in too low class. And they should be in the class above." Like, you know. And then you almost instead of kind of being there, kind of saying, "That's an incredible sport and feat. That's an incredible." Um, that they they just set you know set a new standard they've kind of you know all their training trains paid off it's immediately instead of instead of that kind of feeling it's almost kind of a negative like people that say and immediately kind of almost kind of accusing them of kind of cheating of kind of misrepresenting themselves and it's become a really a really unfortunate a really big kind of topic in sport and that's one thing that I kind of towards the end of my career it it, it was becoming more and more kind of a, a topic that people were kind of bringing up and. It, it really kind of detracted away from the sport for me. I think, as you say, you've got a choice to either be the best athlete, you know, build yourself up and be the best athlete you can, or you have the opportunity to, instead of you know doing that, you can, or you can tear other athletes down and say, you're in the wrong class, you're in the wrong class. I'm, in, I should be in a lower class. You should be in a higher class. Um, and I think my, my my mantra towards it was, don't think, don't worry about what class you're in. Just do the best that you can do. You know. But so many people were fixated on art. Again, it's, it's one of those things where people say to me, you know, if I was a class low, I'd be, I'd be the world record holder. And I was like, well, if it rained chocolate milk, I'd drink, I'd drink rainwater, you know, sort of thing. You know, you're talking about things that don't happen, you know. You're, you're not talking about, you know, things that actually are occurring, you know. Um, you know, so if you, like, be in, be in the moment, be, you know, be, in, you, know, be, be you know, in reality, be realistic. And yeah, man. deal with the class that you dealt, sort of thing. Yeah, play yeah. play the hand you dealt. Because yeah. at the end of the day, so, like you know, you're playing cards, you get dealt your hand. What are you gonna do? Ah, oh, no, this is a shit yeah. hand. Can I get another one? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No. Like, yeah. So you, you can't, you can't kind of say, you know, say hypothetically, you know, hypothetically, you know, you know, you can't say hypothetically if I was in this class, I'd be the world record holder. Because I mean, whilst that might be true, it isn't, yeah. isn't the current situation. So hypothetically, instead of crying over that, no one crack cares. on. Yeah, crack on and do, do do the best you can do. And if it is, if that is the case, it'll eventually come to light, sort of thing. So it, it was, I mean, it, it's 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 one thing that I really enjoyed about you know disability swimming is that um, it was one of the few kind of multi kind of disability sports. Whereas so many sports now are all separated based on you know there'll be a certain classification for actually a certain classification classification for sorry, I'll pause a certain classification for. And it, it, it just means that the sport's so separated and you're not so, it, it's not a celebration of everyone's ability. You're kind of separating everyone out. I think that's just limiting, limiting the challenges that you face. Because again, if you're just with people who are just like you, you're not having, it's, it's only kind of one, one experience. It's not competing as, you know, different people and kind of challenging yourself in different ways, I suppose. So yeah, it's just kind of, like, just like single sex schools, right? You, you don't get the exposure to to the other gender. So then when people actually yeah. get out to the real world, like they end up treating the other gender like a piece of shit simply because they don't know how to fucking yeah. communicate and they don't know how to express what's going on inside themselves to, to someone that mm-hmm. might not be getting the same feeling because, you know, biologically we are rather different. Same yes. thing with, you know, different, differently abled athletes, differently abled everyday Joes, like... You know, if you're not exposed to those, those those people that have different things, whether it's mental issues, whether it's physical issues, yeah. whether it's both, like if you're not exposed to it, how are you going to know how to deal with it? How are you going to know yeah. how you get, you know, it's the whole thing of like, oh, if that would have happened to me, I would have sparked his lights out. I'm like, mate, have you ever been in a, a confrontation situation? It's like, uh, yeah. no. I was like, exactly. You don't know how you fucking react because mm-hmm. you've not been in that situation. So shut up. Yeah, I, I think one thing for me, is, especially as well, is that if again one one of why I love swimming is that he's, I mean um, Paris swimming is that you knew like there's never any doubt there because you've raced against everyone that you could possibly race against, so mm. you knew you that you knew you'd you know if if you won you knew that you were the best there, whereas like in say athletics where it is you know separated by disabilities you might be the fastest amputee runner, but you you wouldn't know if you're the fastest there on the day because there might be a, a similarly disabled cerebral athlete who's actually faster than you but you would never know because you both sep- competed separately yeah um and i think you know as all sp- all sports should be you know as inclusive as possible and should pull from as many different um different parties as possible um and you know kind of create that kind of again it's obviously it's, it's idealistic but create a kind of a, an environment where everyone can compete together and everyone can experience the sport in in a kind of uh, in a kind of like um, group and kind of like um, really like, in, in a community fashion where everyone's involved rather than kind of being you know kind of one one day you guys race one day you guys race one day you guys race you should try and get it all together and hopefully that is what society is moving towards because again I mean even in, after I was only in para sport for five years but in that time it moved towards much more towards kind of just joint meets where it was you were able, you had able and um, able and power athletes competing in the, in the, in the same events yeah. you know and that was I, I prefer that much more because it is again it's, it's just breaking down the barriers breaking down those walls and also again kind of st- starting discussions that you know can be um, 
can be would, would, would be much more difficult to have if they were if, they, if it was separate meets sort of thing so that's really i say really important that you know you, you are always kind of trying to keep it you can kind of be inclusive essentially mm. yeah 100 percent. like uh, allowing and giving those opportunities and being accessible to, to all should should be the idea right like there's going to be things that aren't a clever idea like for example playing wheelchair basketball and basketball in yeah. on the same game like it's like mm, that's not wise it's the same reason mm. why male and female don't compete against each other it, yeah. it, it shouldn't they shouldn't happen but however they should be able to sort of be in the same vicinity and be in the same tournament rather than be completely yeah. different you know it's the whole thing about equal pay with men and women in in professional mm-hmm. sport i'm like there shouldn't be a male and a female there should be fucking pro yeah. sport and two categories of it and again i mean again i, I keep banging on about swimming but obviously it's what i know and love but um one massive thing which i, I was really i was so i thought it was such an incredible thing so i felt like so many other sports have opportunities but don't do it and i think mm-hmm. swim really took the first step with it was doing mixed medley relays you know, kind of getting both male and females racing in the same relay. And again, it, it allowed for so much more kind of strategy, so much more tactics, so much more, like, because you could have, obviously, two males and two females, and you could, you could pick whether you had your male and female, like, whether, you, you know, you could pick, you know, whether you could have a, a female butterfly, female breaststroke, or a female, you could pick and choose, obviously, your best athletes. And I think that just, again, just really breaks down those barriers and really um, allows for just, or it was just, I was, I was so proud of, I think, being part of the sport when that happened because it you know you don't see it in athletics you don't see it in football where you know you get male and females playing on the same team because it, it it could it could it could definitely happen but no one's taking that step yet mm. um, i mean you see it in tennis you see it in uh yeah, tennis is, well, and, is a great example right. yeah um, yeah you got the mixed doubles and that but um i mean sports where it becomes you know physicality comes comes involved i'm not really too sure um mm. And again, I can see your, I can see that point, but also I think if the if the participants are willing and that the, they know what they're in store for, yeah. Um, uh, but as you say, it's 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 one of the things where, um, again, I think um, you know it, it's something that, that needs to at the very least be discussed in every every sport because again, especially I say in tennis, in badminton, in swimming. Um, it's been really, really, really kind of warmly received. It's, it's really added a whole new di- dynamic, which I think can only, it, it, it is only for the betterment of the sport. I think, you know, as, as you say, you know, um, um, anything, you know, where we're you know, being more inclusive and being kind of, you know, kind of, again, challenging those kind of older stereotypes really are, you know, um, really are good things to do. Yeah, for sure. I'm not saying like, I've put all my chips on a yes or I've put all my chips on a no. Like, okay. I have no idea. Who am I to say mm-hmm. what's right and wrong? I, I I just like having the discussion. Like, you know. Oh, well, that's you, it. Yeah, once you speak to people in different, like, with different things, different countries, whatever, different organizations, governing bodies, mm-hmm. like you can then develop um, your point of view. And again, nothing's yeah. set in stone. It's not like, all right, I have all the pieces of information I know. My answer is yes. Because it can fucking change, like things, yeah, things adapt, and there's there's different ways to, yeah. to be able to do it. Like I, I just I would just say I would be unsure. Like for example, a sport like ruggers, I wouldn't be like right. You need, you know, we're gonna play fourteen aside, um, mm-hmm. so we're gonna take out 
whatever, we're going to play 14 a side and seven of them have to be male, seven of them have to be female, I'd be like, mm, I don't think that's the way to do it. Because, yeah. yeah, granted, there's going to be women that will be able to absolutely destroy some blokes, which yeah. is which is like, you know, the same with mm-hmm. male, male and male and, male and female and female. But uh, I don't know. I, think, I just um, wouldn't know. Yeah, I, it, it, well, exactly that. Like, I think, as you just, just, just alluded to, it's just having that open discussion because mm. even, you know, just having people of different ideas and different backgrounds and different... Um, because, I mean, as you said, you know, you could have a 14 side match, it could be seven males, seven females, but that might not be the best way to do it. But maybe if you had one half played by the males of both teams, then one in the, in the second half, if, if the females played, it was the same scoreline, they just carried on from where they left off. And then it's, it's still a mixed match, but it's, it's half played by men, half played by females. And you could have getting that kind of both, that kind of combination of them. Um, I think the way to do it would be like to have, uh, like, it's the same governing body. Um, yeah. but it's split into two separate categories. So it's yeah. it, they're all under the same umbrella rather than being in two mm-hmm. separate umbrellas because yeah. one will inevitably be funded better than the other, which obviously we see now with, mm-hmm. with you know, the Olympics being better funded than the Paralympics and male sport mm-hmm. being better funded than the female sport. And then yeah. kind of having like three separate leagues so you could have like three separate tournaments. So like the male tournament, mm-hmm. obviously the female tournament, and then like the combination of the two. So if... Indeed, indeed, I mean, as you say, exactly that. Like, you, you, you could almost kind of have the male points and have the female points and then combine them. Yeah. So it'd be yeah. like, oh yeah, great. Like you might be, you might be uh, league champions in your female division, but as a whole, your club is not quite there yet. Or you could be like, you could be second and second, like you and win overall, and just be like, you're actually. Mm-hmm a great unified combined club because you provide yeah. equal opportunities for both sides. And you could even have, you can even have smack in a, um, like a fourth one and just be like um, the, you know, the, the third league before you go into the com- combination of, of all of them would be differently abled would be like power yeah. Definitely. And then again, these three separate categories, but I mean, that would, yeah. that'd be insane. Yeah, it would be absolutely incredible, and it'd be so cool to watch. However, like it would take so long to like come into yeah. Organization, it would be insane. Yeah. But you know, but I, I, I think the point would just prove there that if you wanted to do it, and if you really were driven, you could do it. Yeah, I think that that's one big thing that's come out of the the ISL is that I mean, as you say, like obviously you, you can allude to obviously certain sports are much better fun than other sports, and I think that from my point of view, swimming was so. Like, unless you're an elite athlete, you was it was so under underfunded. Whereas now, um, with the ISL, that development, you know, you, 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 you can have kind of lots of athletes being professional and kind of earning really good, really good kind of wages and, and lives and like wages where you can actually survive comfortably and actually then just dedicate your time to swimming rather than having to kind of maybe constantly worry about a second job, so on and so forth. I think the same CrossFit up until recently, maybe even kind of four or five years ago, like. The CrossFit champions were still working full-time jobs because they couldn't afford to support themselves and just cross that alone. I think once you take away that kind of financial concern, the financial worry, that's when sport really becomes... Uh, it, it, it kind of takes that next step to become, in the kind of its level of eliteness because you really are then kind of seeing what athletes can do who are fully committed, fully dedicated to just trying to affect their sport. Mm. And up until recently, like, swimming was never treated that way. And like, I think it, was just, it, it, it just took one kind of... You know, kind of a few kind of athletes say, "Hang on, if we can try and do this and get someone on board who's going to finance it, 
which is this kind of this Ukrainian oil arc who funds the entire ISL. But now they've done that, they've allowed athletes now to be kind of much more well supported. Now I, I reckon in the, in the next, you know, in, probably in kind of 2024 rather than 22 or 2021 now, but we're going to see much better athletes because they're now fully supported to do just, you know, do what they do best sort of thing. I think that's just, in, you know, it, obviously money isn't the be all and end all. Like you, you, you don't need to be, you know, kind of absolutely flush with cash to be a good athlete, but not having the financial worry and financial concern and having access to the best possible equipment and facilities and, you know, kit really will help that progression, that development. So, and it's the same with, with female sport. You see it so often, you know, that, the you know, you, you see, you know, the, the, the male equipment's playing at Old Trafford, playing at, you know, the Etihad, playing, you know, um, at Stamford Bridge and the female teams are playing, you know, on like development pitches. And you think, well, if we don't, if you don't give them that opportunity and that level of funding as well and that kind of fanfare and that, obviously, just because it's, it's been rooted in our history that it's just been male-dominated football doesn't mean it can't change in the future. Mm. I think hopefully, obviously, kind of with more and more kind of, kind of, you know, kind of younger people kind of coming through and obviously kind of following both sides, it'll hopefully develop in the future. But um, the, hope, the hope is that, again, all sports can be like that because obviously, you know, weightlifting's taken massive cuts in, in, in funding in recent years. Mm. It, it damages the sport because if, if your athletes can't be stable and can't be financially stable, they're not, not going to pursue the sport. You'd, you'd rather be playing the third, third division of football and earn 2K a week than being an elite weightlifter and earn, you know, less than that. Some, yeah, this is not financially motivated. Weight, weightlifting is a different one, man, because like you know, the, the PEDs is deeply rooted in the sport, and it's notorious you will never make any money in weightlifting. You'll make money when you finish your weightlifting career or through sponsor or whatever, and you need to be creme de la creme to ever get anywhere. Um, and then it still poses the question of like you know, are you on drugs, which is, we had a, I had a really good discussion um, with Freya Morrow on here a few weeks ago where it was just like, is the, is the idea of two separate leagues going like powerlifting and having two mm-hmm. separate world champions of like um, tested and untested divisions, the way to go mm-hmm. for weightlifting. And I'm not really too sure world championships, it'd be really cool. It'd be quite it'd be easy to, to, to do, but you obviously can't do that with the Olympics. And because yeah. it is an Olympic sport, um, you know, athletes that that are untested for world championships will 110% still cycle on and off for the Olympic Games. And also, uh, I, I mean, as with it, with it, with also any sort of cycling, it's going to have lasting effects. So even if you stop cycling, say, a year out from the Olympics, you'll still have the impacts of those drugs in your system. Yeah. yeah. Right, so... Even if you are clean for the Olympics, it won't be you. You won't still the benefit. You you still have the benefits of that kind of cycling. It was um, one of my friends. Uh, and I think it's it's, 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 it's one thing that it's discussed quite a lot. But I think he wrote his one of his. Um, he wrote a paper on him. Um, wrote his this on kind of clean and like kind of doing like almost like a, a similar as you, as you a similar to what you discussed a few years ago. Kind of almost like a clean league, and then also kind of just a, a, a doping country to see what would sort of, kind of what is the, what is the peak. What is if we do everything in our power and kind of like you know use every sort of performance enhancing drug what could we get to mm. but then you almost kind of sort of that isn't again it, 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 it probably would attract a lot of attention it probably would have a lot of viewership it probably would be well funded but also you're almost kind of sort of then overshadowing clean sport and obviously 
I, I, again, it's, it, 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 it's a really kind of, also a, a really debated topic, isn't it? Um, whether whether or not that should be allowed, but it, it's something that I kind of go back and forth on. So you know, I think I'd, I'd like to see what, what what a person could do theoretically with all you know every sort of forms enhancing thing involved. But also, a is it safe? And b um, would it detract from clean sport? And that's the sort of thing you have to weigh up, I suppose. Yeah, man, and like. You know, the safety issue, I don't think it is an issue because it's like elite sport. Is it safe? Well, <laughs> who knows? Is it healthy? Yeah. Fuck no. So, like, is it safe? Well, probably not. Um, but, like like you said, will it detract from, from clean sport? Uh, possibly, yeah. So, do we want to sort of create something like that that's going to do that? Probably not. However, do we want to just allow, you know, for every... A way of detection of a PED, there's like 10 different ways to be able to get out of it. So yeah. like, do we still want to be able to allow that? Or do we be like, hey, okay, we've identified that there's a fucking problem here. If we open this, we're going to at least get 50% of the people shifting over. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah. So then we've got 50% less people to try and like mm. nail. And then hopefully they're not going to be retracting medals from like 12 years past. We can now yeah. we can now do it, you know, within sure. the next couple of months. Yeah, and I think that that's such a, a such a valid point as well. I mean, I, I mean, also, uh, we've, 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 you've seen, we've all seen recently that you know, there's, there's been I think it's mostly obviously you know across sports where um, I mean it's one of the from recently from 2012 saying that the, the GB team might win a bronze medal, but imagine eight years after the fact you finish your swimming career, mm. you. You, you, you can't stand on the podium and kind of get that that moment in the sun, that moment in the spotlight where you've, you know, all your hard work's paid off. You're there, your family's seeing it, you're the world seeing it. No, instead, eight years from now, you, you, you get a little postage delivered to your door with a medal. It isn't the same, you know, you, you know. So I think, as you say, you know, if you can sort of say, right, you know what, you can, you can take, you can use, you, you can use pads, you can do what, you know, do it all and it's all above board and it's, it's, it's totally allowed. Um, you, you can, like, I think you, you would, as you say, minimise the amount of people actually are, you are trying to kind of do it under you know, under the radar sort of thing. Mm. Um, and also, I think if it was obviously allowed, it'd be, it'd be a lot easier to make sure athletes were doing it sensibly and safely. Because also you, you'd have docs involved and docs would also kind of help them with the cycling on and off and, you know, levels to use and such. But as, as we discussed, you know, is it at the risk of... Um, you know, detracting from clean sport, would it would it um, impact on again? You know, young people. If you sort of said at you know fifteen, right, you can take all these pets. Would that you know long term impact on other things? You wouldn't. Well, know, it's the actually. same thing as like if I was you yeah. know I was playing young ball like uh, 13, 14, 15 ruggers, and someone had to come up to me and be like, Alex, I want you to take this, this, and this um, until you're eighteen, and I can guarantee you're going to play in the Premiership. I'd say, where can I sign? Yeah. I like, yeah. I, I can guarantee you, I wouldn't be thinking, oh, what about the, no, I get the yeah. chance to go play yeah. pro rugby. Yeah. I'd have been like, yeah, sound, whatever. No problem. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, that is, it's, it's, it's almost kind of like, especially, especially with kind of young people, you, I, I mean, as, 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 even now, like if you sort of have a goal, if someone gives you an opportunity to achieve that goal, you don't think about, you, you have, solely focused on that kind of that achievement that goal so 
if someone offers you a way to do it, you'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, as, as, as I say, when I sign, you know, you, you'd shake the hand off. Mm. Um, but then, as, as you say, it's, you know, the, the benefit of hindsight. Obviously, once you achieve something, it's very much like, it's, it's the, the way I was up to GCSEs and A-levels. When I was doing GCSEs, I was stressed out of my nut doing GCSEs. Same with A-levels, same with uni exams. But as soon as you've done them, you're like, it doesn't matter, like they're done. So when you're achieving, like when, you, when you're doing things, they're, they're the be all end all. Once you've actually done them, you're like, oh, like I've got, I'm not, you move on to something else sort of thing. Mm. So as you say, like if someone says you, you can play in the prem, premiership and obviously, you know, play for a, you know, a sale or um, someone like that, you'd be like, yeah, definitely. But once you've done it, you'd be like, what do, what do I want to do next? And has that impact, and obviously the benefit of hindsight, has that impacted on what I've done? Has that impacted on what I can do in the future? Um, so it is, it is a, 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 a tricky topic, isn't it, really? Yeah, and I think it, having these discussions is the way forward, man, and especially going back to, like, para-sport and, and, and gender gap and, and, and everything. Mm. Everything is about having a discussion and putting your fucking ego aside. Put it in a little box. Mm. Put it in the drawer for, like, half an hour. Grab yourself a mm. coffee and then just, like, you know, have a little discussion about it. And that's I think that's why I love fucking bringing people up like this so much man like yeah. i learn stuff never yeah. mind about anyone else same here man but i think as well also, i say that obviously the, one of the key things to discuss, but also the first one of the first thing is, is, is to acknowledge it yeah i think so many people so many people out of you know whether they i mean they i mean as a man I, even though i totally agree that there should be a pay gap i feel i feel guilty and almost kind of guilty not that there is a pay gap but you've got to acknowledge it in order to address it and then in order to then move forward and actually kind of tackle that problem yeah, but for some people, like especially, you know, discussing, you know, pay gaps, you know, um, you know, um, it's it's some some people won't even acknowledge its existence. Like you, 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 you see some videos where people will flat out deny, you know, whether there's racism or homophobia or disability or well, flat out deny that. And you think the first step in anything is to acknowledge that there's a problem. And acknowledge once you know there's a problem, and then it's like, right, what that's when the discussion starts with the problem, what we can do to solve it, what steps are we going to take, what what are we going to do. I'm not sure. Is it is acknowledgement like the first step, or is like the conversation the first step? Because sometimes you do need the acknowledgement to have the conversation, if you know what I mean. Mm. However, yeah, if you do get the right individual, you can still have the conversation even though they don't acknowledge that it's a problem, you know what I mean? Really? So it could be like you, if we just converse right. over something then yeah. you could say a point that actually triggers me and I'm like, oh, now I acknowledge the problem. And then you, yeah, okay, definitely. I, no, you're definitely right there. So, I mean, so, uh, as he, uh, exactly you say, someone, you, you almost stumble across it, don't you? Yeah, you like, do, yeah. Just, all of a sudden, the, the penny drops and you're like, hang on a moment. Mm. Um, no, you, you bang on there. I think uh, it's all, all, almost kind of chicken or egg sort of scenario, isn't it, really? Yeah, and I think it, 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 there's levels and there's degrees, right? Because we can, we can sit around and say, like, there's um, this problem in Uganda mm-hmm. or this problem in, you know, a country where there has been mass genocide or mass famine or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. We can be like, yeah, we acknowledge that's an actual problem, but it doesn't fucking change the way we live our lives. Mm-hmm. Or we could get on a plane and go to that country and mm-hmm. have conversations with people who's been through it, and then we'll be like, shit this is a problem mm. and actually like truly acknowledge it because we've seen it so there's like this yeah. i don't know these ways and i think being able to give 
people the opportunity and a pedestal and the microphone to talk like yourself who's been through mm-hmm. disability sport like people who are actual athletes at the moment like people who mm-hmm. maybe have like discrimination against them for whatever like yeah. just give people a voice to be able to have the good discussion is, is the way yeah. forward man I, I, I think you bang on there as well it's, it's you know it's easy for you and I as you know two kind of white males to chat about you know pay gap, you know gender pay gaps or homophobia yeah. or you can't talk about it without including people who have experienced that and people who are you know current experience it, people who have experienced it people who may in the future experience it. you need you need to kind of involve as many people as possible I think you know everyone should have a voice but you need you need to involve people who it's you know people have actually you know been there done that got that you know kind of you know kind of been there and got the experience. Mm. Um, because otherwise, it, you know, it's it's just kind of, always kind of discussing what we think, which it, mm. which also which usually probably isn't the actual scenario, isn't that yeah the actual case. So you, you need to get people, as I say, you know, people who've actually been there, you know, and experienced what what you're discussing, so that way you, you can get an actual accurate depiction, an actual an accurate picture of what's occurring. Yeah, hundred percent, man. hundred percent. Otherwise, hundred percent. Like just having those those conversations with people that you know have different life experiences and know a couple of different things. Like just having the discussion, mate. Put your ego aside. Have the discussion. You know, have those difficult conversations. Like, you know, it's the whole thing of like you only live once. What do they say? Like, uh, eat the food, get the tattoo, have the difficult conversation, do what you want to do, sort of thing. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, you only you only live once, so we can't there's no do-overs we can't just be like oh okay yeah i was a bit i was a bit ignorant to a few things let me just start over you know what i mean yeah save and quit yeah Yeah, and i'll like reload the chapter it's like mate you you fuck up you fuck up you better learn from it and and go forward exactly you say like um you know people will make mistakes i think that's part of you know part of life and i think people I think people, 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 I think people now, especially nowadays, expect everyone to be perfect and no one to make any mistakes. When people do make mistakes, especially people in the public eye, they get, you know, immediately thrown into the wolf sort of thing. But I think it's if people make mistakes and don't learn and don't make changes, they're the ones who should be chastised, ones who should be kind of, you know, kind of drawn up. But the ones who make mistakes and if they, if they make mistakes and they, they learn from it and they show that they've bettered themselves and they show that they've, you know, they've, they've put in the work and they've changed, you know, and they've grown from it. They're the ones yeah. who almost, almost should be kind of publicised for good reasons, say like he's done something wrong, but he's paid his duties, he's made his amends, and now look like look at him now, he's he's or he or she, you know, look at them now, they're doing so much better because they've done something wrong, they've questioned they've questioned themselves, they've you know found the root cause of the problem and then they've they've, they've addressed that. That's yeah, how everyone should be. It's hard, man. Yeah. And it, the easy thing to do is do something wrong and be like, nah, fuck you, and just carry on. Like that's yeah. that's easy. It's hard to mm. admit that you've done something wrong. It's hard to admit that okay, mm. I am flawed. Like I I made the wrong decision, went down the wrong path, did whatever, and be like, oh, you actually like take active steps to to rectify mm. that or to 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 go forward and be like, I accept that, but now yeah. I'm going to be better from it. And like that's hard, man. And they people need oh. commending for it. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, as you say, you know. Um... It, it, it's such a hard because again as you say it's so easy to be like no no that that's the thing they're wrong or that's wrong I'm right it's yeah. so hard to say I'm, I'm wrong I, I've done the wrong thing because it it, it, it it takes a lot of kind of almost onus you know to be like no it's, it's me it's, it's nothing else it's I'm I'm the 
I'm the problem in the scenario, but what am I going to do to correct that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. It, 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 it takes, you know, a big, a big kind of, a big kind of, um, a big kind of, um, kind of a, a big kind of character, a big kind of person to be like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to uh, a kind of put myself in situations where things can go wrong. So, so many people won't put themselves in scenarios where they, they where there is a chance where they have a chance at doing something wrong because they don't want to be seen as you know somebody who does something wrong or a failure or uh, somebody's afraid, you know, someone who's fallen down. But it's those people who get back up, those people who you know fail, but then will try again or and fail again probably, and tr- then still try again. Hmm. Um, takes balls, man. Takes balls. Yeah. yeah. People with that, that sort of character, that mentality, are the ones who are, you know are probably the, the best among us because they're willing to try and learn and try and learn and try and learn, mm. kind of repeat that cycle every, every time. Get a little bit wiser, get a little bit stronger. That's it. That's all that happens, man. Yeah. That's life. Yeah, that's life, mate. That's it, before my chat. laptop dies, I'm just going to say yeah. I really, really appreciate your time. No, cheers, no, mate. Been great chatting to you, mate. You. Seriously, I have so much knowledge and obviously had an incredible swimming career and like the epitome of resilience, hard work. And then also like the ability to to question a lot of things, like, you know, the conversation we've just had and learn from it. I think, yeah, one of those people that are not afraid of, oh, okay, yeah, oh, cool. So I can learn from, from that area. Wicked. So now I'm going to move forward and go from that. And I think, I think yourself needs a massive like pat on the back for that, mate. Like, Nah, mate. I mean, right back at you again. Again, I think obviously we're, we're so um, you know so, so, you know you know friends because we are kind of you know similar. And all the other things that you said to me, which, which are obviously lovely things to say, I I feel you know kind of they're all accurate depictions of yourself. You know, you obviously hard worker, constantly learning, constantly want to be better than you were the, you know, better than the previous day. I think you know that they're all kind of um, characteristics and attributes that are going to serve you well in whatever you do. So you're constantly going to be kind of t- obviously taking steps forward. And also, you're not afraid to you know take a, a, a leap of faith. Like moving 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 over to New Zealand was a huge leap. Mm-hmm. You've done it. You take it. You stride, and you're better for it. You know, you, you're you're more you're you're a bigger, more rounded person than when you left, and that's all you can ever hope to do going forward. So you know, hats off to you. You know, massive, I appreciate massive it, mate. Battle. There's there's a lot of mutual respect for mutual love between the two of us, man. Like yeah. Apple didn't file far, far from the tree, and like uh, you know, two peas in a frigging pod. And I've I've like I've thought that for a long time, mate. So I really appreciate your time and and coming on and, and sharing no, some knowledge, thanks. mate. Thanks having me. Mate. Nah, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Like look yeah, after mate. yourself and uh, mate, oh, enjoy man. enjoy that new job, enjoy that new endeavor, mate. Oh, new new beginnings. Keep crushing it, man. Take care. All the best. Oh, man, take it easy.